CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Thank goodness it is Friday, June 28th. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another Ramana Rundown with Sun-Times editor Ramana Hussein. And we're talking the Democratic presidential candidate debate with political know-it-all Dan Pogoshelsky, political strategist Candace Castillo, and also political know-it-all our good friend Samina Mustafa. And now your host, yeah, political know-it-all. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this I Love Presidential Debates Friday. And here's why. I love presidential debates. That's why we're calling it. I love presidential debates. All right. We keep it simple for you folks. I love presidential debates. They're right up there with fried chicken, movies of the 70s, music of the 70s, uh, movies in general, and fried chicken. I may have mentioned fried chicken twice. That's how much I love fried chicken. He's a rare breed, new listeners. This is how much I love presidential debates. I've now watched back-to-back presidential debates. Each one is two hours. That's four hours consumed watching presidential debates. And guess what? I want to watch another one. I'm disappointed. i got to wait all the way to July 30th. Isn't that when the next one is? June? No, July 30th, right? I, I think know. that's the next one. Man, can you, it's like the NBA basketball season. It never, it, it doesn't go long enough. As soon as it's over, I want it to continue. Hey, I miss it already. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about sports because he's going to get upset with Thank me. Thank you. That said, it's time to dole out some more of our awards that uh, we have a whole team at the Academy here. We came up with a name, too. Yes, they're the Bennies. The right? Bennies, yeah. We didn't have a name for this yesterday. <laughs> we, now we have the Bennies. Uh, ben nominates uh, his awards for the debates. Well, we had, uh, wait, it wasn't just me. It was a whole Academy. Oh, wow. Leah and myself did this, okay, <laughs> right before the show. Leah apparently shares my love for presidential debates, although she's a little more critical of them than I am. That's okay. Oh, but yeah. you've now watched two back to back. You ready for the next one? Yeah, uh, yeah. All right, that's what I want to hear. So we came up with some categories, which are some of the categories left over from the first presidential debate. And the number one, uh, we'll start with this category. This is a new category, the most prejudiced candidate. Mm -hmm. The most prejudiced candidate. Uh, And the nominees are Eric Swalwell, Pete Buttigieg, Joe Biden. And the winner is... Hold on. Let me open up the envelopes. He brought envelopes. These envelopes are so sticky. Oh, my God. I got... The winner is 
Eric Swalwell. Oh, nice. oh thank you. Shh, let me explain. Uh, the nominee's Pete Buttigieg got it because apparently even after, what, eight years he's been mayor of South Bend, he just discovered that black people live there and there's issues between the police and the black community of South Bend. Uh, he's been ignoring these issues forever. If you doubt me, I urge you to go listen to the interview we did with Henry Davis, who is a uh, councilman in uh, South Bend. So last night, address when he was forced to address that issue, he was like, I am shocked. He made me a Rom when he got Rom suddenly discovering there were issues between the police and the black community in Chicago that he inherited that he ignored for the first, what, five years uh, until the Quam McDonald uh, video emerged. Uh, but, kicking and screaming, by the way, he objected uh, to releasing that Laquan McDonald video. Anyway, so Pete Buttigieg is a nominee. Uh, Joe Biden. Pete Buttigieg is the winner. Uh, no, he's not the winner in my book. Was, oh. uh, the, another nominee, Joe Biden, who suddenly uh, is trying face-to-face with the fact that he thinks it's okay to say he is, his old pals are segregationists uh, and is really having a hard time uh, dealing with his anti-busing past. We'll get into all that. Uh, uh, Joe Biden is a nominee. But I think the hands-down winner is old boy Eric Swallow. Where's he from, D? California. Uh, California congressman. He's very proud of the fact that he's 38. And I'm speaking for all the old people of the world when I'm saying, F you, okay? Oh, well, what wow. that thing about? Uh, uh, time to give the new torch. Time well, to give the new torch. Here's man. Eric Swallow. <laughs> I was six years old when a presidential candidate came to the California Democratic Convention and said, It's time to pass the torch to a new generation of Americans. That candidate was then Senator Joe Biden. He's still right today. If we're going to solve the issues of automation, pass the torch. Yeah, you know what? I wish Biden had said, hey, Sonny, you could take that torch and stick it where the sun don't shine. Oh, he's yeah. so blatantly, blatantly anti-old people. I can't believe uh, he's old. He's old. Well, it's an old guy out there. I want to tell you something. You know what? We're not dead yet. All right. Just don't kill us. So that's my guy, most prejudiced uh, candidate out there. What do you think, Leah? Yeah. Also, passing the torch isn't really a solution. When he was asked, like, what are you going to do uh, about health care? He's like, my plan is to pass torches. He's so that's a, like, for every well, let me ask you this. it's obviously a blatant appeal uh to well you're a z so you're even younger than a millennial yeah. we got a millennial and a z so i got i i have the whole and an old guys so we have the whole array here so let me ask you this in any way does that resonate with you when someone talks about we need a younger candidate does that resonate with you would that be enough to get you to want to vote for eric swalwell um no not at all you also have to have the ideas it whether you're young or old, I just think that we need to move left. Um, and Bernie does that fine. He resonates with a lot of young people. And for and that he's reason, old guy. yeah. Young Dennis? Uh, I'm giving uh, Eric Swalwell the award for wrinkliest suit. <laughs> Wait, that's not talking to Dodge there. Uh, does, he res- does it resonate with you as a young person? Uh, it'd be nice to see someone young win, but just not him. Yeah, okay. So it doesn't appeal when he goes, pass the torch? Well, not to him. Yeah. And no matter what he's asked, uh, would you like the macaroni and cheese? Uh, pass the torch. Anyway, most prejudiced guy. Come on, Swalwell, clean it up. Get just, with it. Yeah, just because he's old doesn't mean he's bad. Uh uh, uh, second category. Couldn't read my writing, but I remembered it from oh, yesterday. That happens uh, uh, every day. 
Who can't read their own handwriting? I can't read it. Look. That's all right. So See? Funny. Can't read this. But I remember having a long conversation with Leah about this one uh, beforehand, and Leah reminded me that I had this one yesterday. I have to put it on today. Why are you even up there? And these are the candidates. Uh, well, it'll be pretty obvious when I read them off. And the nominees are... Don't we have some kind of... The drum roll comes when you announce the winner. Oh, okay. It's an Eric Swalwell moment. Pass the torch. <laughs> anyway, the nominees, John Hickenlooper, uh, Eric Swalwell, Michael Bennett, Andrew Yang, and Marion Williamson. And the winner is... All of the above! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, let's be honest, folks. None of these people have any chance. Well, let's hand it to Michael Bennett, though. He actually answered the questions when they were asked. He didn't, like, you know, go off into some other thing. That's a valid point. Michael Bennett <laughs> <He> answered <laughs> the questions. Once That's again, not what you're supposed to do, apparently. The, the bar is low. Well, in terms of entertainment, you're right. Uh, I found Marion Williams. I love the fact that she was up there. Uh, yeah. I think yeah, and all, out there. <laughs> let me just say this about Marion Williams. <clears throat> She's the self-help guru uh, good friend of uh, Oprah Winfrey. She's an enormously popular personality. She sells a lot of books. Uh, and she appeals and sounds like lots and lots of women that I know who uh, are of the baby boomer persuasion. And uh, so when I hear her up there, I'm hearing vestiges of conversations and things uh, I've heard other people say. Uh, for 20 years, new age style conversations I've had at barbecues, at uh, it, at the beach, overlooking the lake, uh, in my wife's beauty shop. You know what I'm saying? So I can really relate to what she's saying. Um, First call is to Prime Minister of New Zealand, who said that her goal is to make New Zealand the place where it's the best place in the world for a child to grow up. And I will tell her girlfriend you are so on because the United States of America is going Bang. to be the best place in the world for a child to grow up. You know what? She's going to get mocked. Saturday Night Live's going to, well, I think they're done for the summer, so it's too late for Saturday Night Live. But she's she's going to get ridiculed. But you know what, Marion Williamson? You're, you're okay in my book. You sound like a lot of people. You speak to a lot of people that I know out there. And that girlfriend thing was okay with me. I got a, I got a kick out of it. What was your thought, Leah? Well, whether or not she belongs up there, she's eloquent. She's not wrong. And I agree with her that I... I do hope love will win, I, I guess. It's a nice sentiment. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. The thing about love, she when she when do you have that bit where she confronts Trump? But at, the, at the very end, she goes, you're all about hate. I'm all about love, and love will win. I think this is it. This man has reached into the psyche of the American people, and he has harnessed fear for political purposes. So, Mr. President, if you're listening, I want you to hear me, please. You have harnessed fear for political purposes, and only love can cast that out. So I, sir, I have a feeling you know what you're doing. I'm going to harness love for political purposes. I will meet you on that field, and sir, love will win. I loved it. I got to tell you, I'm getting chills just hearing it. I love when she said that. You know, and it's... I'll tell you what, it's not going to carry the day in a political debate. It's going to be mocked. It's going to be maligned. Uh, like I said, she turned into a political caricature. But I, it's hard to argue with the sentiment. Only love can conquer hate. Do you think she'll make it to the next round? Uh, no. And they, who are the candidates that didn't get on? What? The candidates that, there were candidates that Oh, yeah, on. there were four candidates who didn't. Uh, Those guys are pissed when they saw that lady <laughs> up there talking. Like, What? <laughs> 
What? Oh boy from Montana's huh? like, what? I couldn't get on yeah. it. She got, hey, she sells a lot of books, all right? She's friends with Oprah, okay? By the way, a lot of Democrats wanted Oprah to want yeah, to run. Using that Oprah money to get up there. Yeah, and uh so you gotta go on Oprah's show, then they'll let you on the show. Anyway, next award. Uh next award. Okay, uh, so. what what did she mean though when she said, I have a feeling you know what you're doing? Uh, when, when, to when, Donald Trump. Oh, Donald, yeah. yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's harnessing hate. He's playing the hate and fear, and uh, he's been doing it since uh, he walked down those stair steps at the Trump Tower in 2015. And was my, that doubted before? Was she saying no? But what what she's uh, openly saying is what uh, I don't think any other Democrat said it. Uh, which is that, um, that it's very, what the most dangerous thing that Donald Trump mm -hmm. does is to pit one group of people against another group of people uh, for his political advantages so he could win everything from tax breaks for the wealthy to less regulations to control the environment to less reproductive rights for women, et cetera, and so forth. And he, he's enabled to do that because he plays on fears, prejudice, and hatred. She is the only one I know who really explicitly and directly confronted that and she did it in a way that will leave her to mockery and being maligned but i appreciate the fact that she said it i'm not sure that the governor of montana would have uttered those lines last night oh he's raging <laughs> yeah, he's so mad all right most obnoxious moderator oh. all right and the nominees are oh wait the drum roll doesn't come start. on okay. jarofsky chuck todd because of the haircut rachel maddow uh, and, and it's like a trick one. Oh, no, Jose Diaz, uh, I can't read my writing. Uh, I cannot read my writing. Everybody <laughs> listening can read their own handwriting, right? What is that? That's so weird. It was the guy who kept telling the... <laughs> The candidates to speak up, talk, talk faster, even though he was taking up all the time. Right? I really annoyed. Oh, you're talking about that guy? Oh my God, he was great. I actually have audio of that guy. That yeah, that guy was so annoying because the whole time you hear those the moderators like, okay, speed it up, speed yeah. it up, and then this guy's like, on the night of June 23rd, <laughs> where were you? When you were asked, like, what is this? You got it. You yeah, got here it. we go. This guy on January 20th, 2021. <laughs> if you are president. Okay. What specifically would you do, okay, well, what I do with the thousands of people <laughs> All right. who try to reach the United States uh. every day and want a better life through asylum? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they, wanted the, they wanted the candidates to be so quick, but this guy's just yeah, taking his time. And, and you're right. Uh, uh, Kamala Harris is like, bring that question. Yeah, you can see bring that like, okay, question. Because I'm ready. And he's like, uh. <laughs> On January 20th, 2021, if you are president. Okay. What specifically would yeah. you do what specifically? with thousands of people yeah. who try to reach the That's United States guy. every day and want a better life through asylum? Yeah. All right. So he's there for that. Rachel Maddow. I don't listen. This is my personal thing. I like the debates when the audience gets a little rowdy. I get annoyed. Uh, audience, just turn around and look at, uh, no, stop breathing. You're talking too much. Don't laugh. Don't cheer. Uh, it's like that Gary Owen bit. You ever see the Gary Owen bit that I send that to you, D? You send me like a million every yeah, week. I, I don't know. Gary Owen. I think uh, number three of 364, yes. Gary Owen's comedian does the bit about the difference between a uh, graduation and uh, black parents at a graduation and white parents at a graduation. And uh, I much prefer like parents who are exuberant and like when their kid goes down, you know, 
know, they always go, uh, hold your applause to the end. And then, you know, some people just say, heck with that. My kid's graduating, right? Uh, and so that's similar at a presidential debate. Don't cheer, okay? That's less time for the candidate to speak. Did you announce a winner for this award yet? Uh, no, I'm still. <laughs> <laughs> and Chuck Todd, why is he up there? Oh, his haircut. Dennis doesn't like his haircut. He's got a goatee. Oh, yeah, he's like a goatee. Hold on. It's 2019. Hold on. I got to open the envelope. Oh, it's just a tough envelope. Oh, my God. Where did you get that envelope? The Dollar Tree? Come on. Uh, and the winner is the writers from the New York Times. I know I didn't mention them, but they were so annoying. I was following them, uh, their feed, and they're like, oh, I know more about politics than anyone alive. Guarantee they can read their own handwriting. <laughs> Guarantee it. That's because they don't write anymore. They, I don't use a pen, okay? I'm a modern-day writer. I, I found it very annoying. You know, they're like so smart. And they hated Marion. Why is she even up there? Well, I am outraged that she is even up there. Anyway, well, I, I hate think, to pull a uh, NBC moderator here, but it looks like you're going a little long, Biddy. Can we uh, get to the awards, please? Uh, okay, wait. We haven't. We, we already went over a break. My God. Uh, wait, wait. Hold on. What is? Oh, the next award. Here we go. <laughs> the Biggest Loser award all right uh, and the nominees are joe biden uh, john hickenlooper and i can't read my writing Good God. <laughs> oh mayor pete <laughs> I read my... look guys i don't know what that is no, they can't see that far away and the winner is oh we are over Hold on. Uh, we went over a break <laughs> the winner is Duh, Joe Biden. Leah, you you were really hard on Joe Biden, and deservedly so. Talk about that. Well, Kamala Harris really destroyed him. I, I honestly don't know what was wrong with him yesterday. He just seemed not on his A game. He was pretty not, he wasn't as sharp as he used to be in his responses. It seems like every question caught him off guard for some reason. And um, he just didn't have a good response. He should have been more sympathetic towards uh, Harris's attack on him than... Um, getting on the defensive about it i i completely agree with i feel them. like 2019 slapped him in the face and we all saw it in that debate like oh my god maybe i shouldn't be here today. yeah i know it, you know I, what i mean I, I, and, he, and he didn't know how to handle it he didn't know how to handle it he and he just had that like blank look uh and his mind was reaching for an idea you know like a safety net idea that would help him yeah and it was like uh-oh that's not gonna work and then there was that moment where he gave up on time yeah he goes uh, is, is that the end of my time yeah. are you kidding joe Biden? Biden running out of t it's like usually with me I'm running past the clock here he's always got something to say do you think it's just um it was just last night he wasn't on his game or do you think it's age maybe I I I'm gonna have to wait for the next debate and I think a lot of it could be you know these people that are in his campaign they're probably pumping him up like you're the man you're great oh don't worry about it da, 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 da. then he goes up there and like oh my god people actually may not like me yeah. holy crap I think that like he saw it like you know, for the first time. Yeah, like. and then uh, come. We were, I'm sure we'll be talking about this all day with our our, our guests, and our panelists, etc. But Kamala Harris hit him with such a one-two yeah. combo that was so powerful, and he did not know uh, how to respond, and he was clearly off his game. He should have prepared point. for that question. I he, feel like he should have known it was coming. He should have known it was coming. He defended segregationists. He should have backed away from it. Sometimes it's really hard for people uh, to admit that they're wrong. We've talked about this in the show many times and you know what if you're wrong you're wrong okay but of course it's easy for me to say i've been wrong so many times in my life and finally the final category 
Oh, wait, to answer your question, D, um, I think that the next debate will be a, a pivotal moment for Joe Biden's right. campaign. That next debate, he's going to have to prove uh, to the American people, the voters out there, that he's not out of it completely, that he can handle the stresses and strains of the uh, campaign and the office. So it's a, it's a make or break, the next debate for him. All right, biggest winner, the nominees are. And now this is from the two debates combined. Oh, both debates combined. Yeah. Now, who you, who did you say uh, yesterday's winner was? Uh, Elizabeth Warren, yes, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. All here right. We go. So here we go. So the biggest uh, winner, the nominees are Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, and Julian Castro. And the winner is Kamala Harris. Okay. Hey. First-term senator, rookie senator from California, was on top of her game from the moment the debates began to the moments they ended. She had the most memorable lines. She had she was quickest on her feet. Even that food fight thing where she did, where she goes, hey, let's... She was like the adult in the room. No more food fighting. Let's get down to business. A little Bob Diver in her, right? A lot of good business. Bob Diver. America uh, does not want to witness a food fight. They want to know how we're going to put food on their table. Crowd goes nuts. Uh, and she had that style. She went. Uh, it was, she's a former prosecutor, and the prosecutorial style really worked to her advantage uh, in the debate format, and gave me some hope that uh, in a debate against Donald Trump, she could use it against him as well. So I would say Kamala Harris, in my humble opinion, emerged as the biggest winner from the first round of debates. Your thoughts, young lady? Oh, I agree, especially because I don't think she was the person going into the debates that people were the most excited to see. I think people were uh, like all watching Bernie, all watching Biden, maybe Elizabeth Warren. Um, not her. She seems kind of like a dark horse, although I was really excited to, to see her. For Kamala Harris, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Dennis? Oh, I'm sorry. I was uh, looking at our Bendrovsky Show Facebook page and checking into the listeners' response on the debate last night. What was the question? Uh, the question was, uh, why am I so smart? No, the, the question was, who do you think the biggest winner was? Oh, uh, you're not that smart. And um, I would say, yeah, I think Kamala Harris because she, uh, you know, she really needed that. You know what I mean? She needed that moment. You yeah, know, well, Elizabeth she, Warren. People kind of knew who she who she was. I'd say, yeah, that'd probably be the best. Speaking of which. Alir, you're going to be our special correspondent covering Elizabeth Warren's uh, appearance here in Chicago. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. And uh, that will be tonight at uh, 6 o'clock. Do I have that right? Yeah, I'll She'll, come back and report on Monday. Yeah, we'll have a full report. Elizabeth Warren coming to the city of Chicago. Or, not to Monday, Tuesday. My bad. Yes, Tuesday. Yes, Tuesday. Let's get it straight. All right. So anyway, uh, that is the biggest winner, clearly Kamala Harris. We have a great show, and our guest will be Ramana Hussein. All right. Because it's Friday, Ramana will be here, and she'll talk a little debate, but mostly local issues. And then we have a star-studded panel of political junkies who are eager to come in and talk about the political debate and the future of the Democratic Party and whether the Democratic Party is moving too far to the left and is alienating itself from the masses of people out there who will determine who our next president will be. Are we so far left that people will vote for Donald John Trump? I don't believe so, but we'll see what our panelists uh, say. That would be Candace Castillo, political strategist, Samina Mustafa, 
old time friend of this show, political activist, and of course, the political know-it-all, Danny P., Danny Pokoshelsky. So we'll have all those guests coming on. All right, so we're about to find out what's going on locally. It's time for What Else is News, Reefer in Restaurants, and a Spitgate update. Mm, Spitgate. But first, our newly elected Chicago mayor is at odds with some of her city council members Mm. again. That's right, everybody. It's time to check in on our newest season of our favorite soap opera, a little soap opera that we like to call... A mayor and her alderman. <laughs> All right. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and the one, the only, Fran the Woman Spielman. By the way, check out the Fran Spielman Show, chicago.suntimes.com. It's a fantastic program, very learned program. After hours taking office, Lightfoot signed an executive order stripping aldermen of their sweeping authority over licensing and permitting in their wards. It gave city department heads 60 days to implement the changes. With the July 19 deadline fast approaching, top mayoral aides held closed-door briefings Thursday to spell out for aldermen the specific powers they stand to lose. And according to Fran Spielman, it wasn't pretty. In addition to trees, garbage carts, special event permits, and divvy stations, Chief of Policy Dan Lurie told angry aldermen they also would be stripped of authority over large lots, landmarks, local tax increment financing projects, or TIFs, and grants tied to the Neighborhood Opportunity Fund bankrolled by contributions from downtown developers. So, Ben, I'm throwing it to you now. Do you think this is too much from the Lightfoot administration? And I think a better question may be, thanks, Ed Burke? Yes and yes. All right, let's take it point by point. Now, uh, the gentleman goes, who is Ben Jarofsky? An obsessive observer of Chicago politics. So we're moving from national politics to local politics. And this issue has to deal with something that was invented in this campaign as a problem Chicago faces called aldermanic prerogative or aldermanic privilege. The notion is is that aldermen have too much power over things that go on in their wards, and as a result, uh, they've been corrupted. All right, now let me deal with that. Number one, the biggest problem in the city of Chicago does not emerge from overplaying powerful aldermen. It comes from the mayor's office. The dumbest, most inefficient, most wasteful ideas, proposals that have been universally approved by the city council have all emerged from the brains of Chicago mayors, Mayor Rahm Emanuel and Mayor Richard Daley. The problem with the aldermen is not that they have too much power, is that they are too Uh, much like rubber stamps and approve too much of what the mayors want them to do. That is the greatest problem in my humble opinion. And, but you know, a very slick jujitsu move by Lori Lightfoot. She's flipped the switch on it and said, the problem is that the aldermen have too much power. So I actually agree with the aldermen who are rebelling against her. I would rather have a zoning issue be uh, championed, be led, be controlled by the local aldermen as opposed to some unknown, unnamed bureaucrat in City Hall. And I do not believe that taking the power away from the aldermen will um, lead to less corruption in the city of Chicago. It may mean fewer aldermen are taking a shakedown from somebody, a developer who's looking for a zoning deal. And that person getting the shakedown will be, or getting the money will be uh, some unknown bureaucrat in City Hall. But th- this is is just uh, a, a manufactured issue that is intended to give more power to the mayor. And that's how I view that. All right. And shout out to Kathy on the live stream chat. She says, Divi stations? That's uh, the bike thing. Yeah, the bike the thing. The blue bikes, and you got the dock, and you put the bike, and you Here, can rent the bike. Here, speaking of dumb ideas, scooters. 
You could have blamed the aldermen for the scooters? That was something Rom came with. It. This is a pilot program. You got these scooters lying around sidewalks everywhere. That's some dumb idea that Rom came up with. So you don't want to take a scooter ride home after the show today. <laughs> the two of us can be on the scooter just like we did yesterday. That's what I was hoping. All right, so there you are. This week's look into our favorite Chicago soap opera, a mayor and her aldermen. Oh. To be continued. Yeah. For the rest of the story, go check out the Chicago Sun-Times article from Fran Spielman. Google it, all right? All right, very good. All right, everybody, moving on. And like our host, Ben Jarofsky, and his iPhone 5, the state of Illinois is getting an upgrade. I'm sure you've heard uh, us mention this a time or two. Starting in January of 2020, recreational marijuana will be legal in Illinois. And if local officials approve the following proposal, uh, recreational as hell. Since 2008, it's been illegal to smoke indoors at most public places in Illinois. But smoking cannabis could be allowed at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and other businesses. Also in this proposal, new cannabis smoke lounges, pot-friendly movie theaters, and concert venues. All right, is Bob Marley the governor of J.B. Pritzker? <laughs> uh, I'm against this. I didn't like the cigarettes. I was so happy when they got rid of smoking uh, in the, my beloved bowling alley. It was so smokeful and toxic back in the uh, early O's uh, that I would come home and have to take a shower. So I don't want to go in the other direction. As much as I'm in favor of legalizing reefer and it's about time. Uh, I think this is a, a too far in the other direction, in my humble opinion. By the way, do you see the other story in this sometimes? I was going to talk to Ramon about legal pot poses pet risk. People feeding reefer to their dogs? What kind of weird people are there out there? You know what I'm saying? I know in the old days, back in the 70s, the guys were, oh, this is really cool. And they would take a token that blow it out in the dog's that's face. That's horrible. I know. It's like, dude. This oh, I've had friends that would do that, too. Well, like, that's dude. so funny, man. Yeah, <laughs> you no. know? It's like, come on, guys. You're making reefer heads look bad. But you're a dog. <laughs> you make, how can you just, like, making us look bad? With us. I said us, like, you know, I'm a pot smoker. Oh, yeah. You, you haven't smoked pot <laughs> since 1979. Uh, I think it was 1981. Okay. All right. Well, you did have some edibles recently. But anyway, <laughs> this means smoking, once again, could become commonplace at public places in Illinois, according to the law's chief sponsor. But sorry, Dad. Only of marijuana, not tobacco. I know. Life's been tough after 2008 for you in Illinois, which remains largely banned at workplaces and businesses. Under the new law, cannabis use also could be allowed at the places where marijuana is grown and sold. The state licensed cannabis cultivation centers and dispensaries if local authorities approve all right you know let's too much too much smoking indoors that's my humble opinion keep it outdoors keep it in your house and we don't have to do it in bars so there you are just like that you're now in the know of what's going on locally and now you will have an answer the next time someone asks you hey what else is news coming up later in the show we're going to be reading your responses uh we went to the facebook uh page i don't think i put it on twitter actually we went to facebook just to ask you who are the winners and losers of last night's debate several of you have weighed in and we're going to be reading your responses later on in the program. All right, let me tell you something. Mayor Pete, John Hickenlooper, and Marion Williamson You're all kidding. agree. All of them? All of them agree. Oh, my God. You did a great job. Give yourself a raise. I to Prime Minister of New Zealand, who said that her goal is to make New Zealand the place where it's the best place in the world for a child to grow up. And I will tell her girlfriend you are so on, because the United States of America is going Thanks. to be the best place in the world for a child to grow up. She said something uh, yeah, to she, me? She said that. Marion Williamson, you did a great job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. we got Ramana Hussein standing here. I know she's got a lot of opinions about Marion Williamson. We'll bring her on when we return. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. 
food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U, E, L, P, I, A, N, I, S, T, dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. It's Friday. That means Ramana Hussein is in the studio. But where you going, wait, she wasn't here last Friday. Well, that's because she was in Malta. No, right? you were on vacation Yeah, last right, right, right. I was in vacation. So she was, it's the been week two before. Fridays. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And uh, so she's back and I'm back. Yes, right. I was in LA. You were in Malta. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, and Not gr- glad to be back, but... No, I mean, back to reality. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, but you're really glad to be back on the Ben Jarofsky show. All right, let's, uh, there's so much to discuss. Uh, Let's start off with Spitting Gate. And um, this, of course, has been news uh, locally, and I guess it's national news as well. Uh, A uh, waitress at a restaurant uh, in the city of Chicago spit on Eric Trump. Yes. uh, President Trump's son. I forget which. Eric Trump. Is he the youngest son? Uh, I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter. Isn't there Donald Jr.? Yeah, so I guess Donald Jr. would be older. I would think so. Although maybe Trump got mixed up. They're they're very... He's they seem sure. very close in age. I'm named after my dad, and I'm the younger one. There so. you go. So not all people do it that way. All right. So your thoughts on Spitting Gate? I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. I, I thought it was interesting that Lori Lightfoot weighed in and called it repugnant, and she said it was, quote, very gracious for Eric Trump not to file charges. I honestly think the only reason he didn't file charges is because this woman would become a celebrity if she if her picture came out and people knew what you know she was saying um you know i just find it interesting a lot of people talking about it you know some people are saying like it's not something i would do but i applaud what she did you know i'm just i'm just reading from what i've heard on social media um i do think that the reason why he didn't file charges is because she would be a, become a celebrity i think she eventually is going to come out 
and talk to someone about why she spat at him and some some people you know we had the news meeting a couple of days ago and some people are saying that they think um that there's more to the story that he might have said something or did something but i really don't think that i think i don't know i i shouldn't i i can't speculate but i'm just saying it could be that she just doesn't like his father and you know he's part of the isn't he part of the administration or you know he's I don't know if he's part of the administration, but he's always kind of there in the background. I think and the she Trump thinks family this, in general. Yeah, is, they're know, always kind adjuncts. of together. Yeah, yeah, so I think she's just you know by process or you know the, by their relationship. Well, it's, I, that's what I think. Look, it, seems like it. It, it uh, she her act has become a uh, and a very effective tool or uh, uh, I, let's strike very effective a tool for Trump supporters oh, of course, yeah. to bash and along on that line um, the columnist for the Chicago Tribune and yes I read the Chicago Tribune and I subscribe to it okay I hope some Tribune people subscribe to the Sun Times shout out to days. John Cass right uh, Johnny Cass and people whenever I say that they <laughs> go wait a minute isn't Johnny Cass the singer no one more time Cash. that's the cool Johnny Cash was the singer in the six John Cass is a little to the right of Donald Trump. He writes a column for the Tribune. He's outraged. Okay, Romani's outraged by the spitting. Apparently, of all the of wrongs all the in things, the world today, yeah, I, this is the most outrageous. Yeah, I, I saw him uh, post on Twitter, and he said he called the waitress. He described her as a barbarian, and he said if he was the king of the world, the punishment would be more severe than what you know. He, and he talked a little bit about it. I just find it interesting. I'm just saying as someone, as Trump, you know, is, you know, he, his policies on immigration, you see kids in cages, kids not being, you know, f- you know, fed properly or just treated properly. And then you hear allegations just last week, um, uh, uh, an advice columnist from Elle magazine, um, this author had said that Trump had raped her pretty much mm-hmm. in, in, in a dressing room of a, you know, high end department store. Um, you know, these allegations, I mean, these are pretty severe allegations. Yeah, they're allegations, but spinning. And I'm not saying that, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily something I would do, but I don't think spinning is the That's worst thing in the world. That's an interesting point. If John Cass were king of the world, would he punish Donald Trump? Or at least hold a trial to Donald Trump into the alleged rape? Yeah, for the things, or for the things that he's done and said. I mean, just go on his Twitter account with, like last 20 minutes and there's something that if you know with this offensive to someone or he's done things to certain people or if he was king of the world would he let those kids out of their cages what's more important if you're a king of the world yeah to punish this lady for spitting allegedly on eric (laughs) trump allegedly uh or to let the kids out of the cages i i yeah i i just find it interesting and i think a lot of people you know john cast did uh tweet the story and i read i read his column and a lot of people are kind of you know writing back to him too like saying they totally disagree with him saying thank god you're not the king of the world so i i've seen some tweets like that yeah. i just think it's interesting i mean there's so many things that yeah. this you know the trump administration is accused of doing and i don't know i I find it interesting, like Lori Lightfoot. I, I mean, I know she's saying why she has to say it, but she's saying things like civility matters. And I'm like, is the Trump administration, like, do they, when it comes to different ethnic groups, you know, immigration, you know, Muslims, you know, or people who aren't necessarily white Christians, where civility there? I, I think that's a that's a question. Uh, uh, Ramana, there's a double standard. You and I both know it when it comes to civility. Uh, Republicans, when they are uncivil, when they're mean and nasty, 
and people complain. The people who complain are maligned and called snowflakes. And the Republicans are exercising their First Amendment rights. Yes. When Democrats are uncivil, when they act boorishly, when they're nasty or mean, they're nasty and mean, and they have uh, no tolerance for people who are different from them. This is an effective tool that the Republicans it's have just, been using it, for a it's long It's just, time. I mean, you know, whether, I'm not saying, that I think a lot of people would say that they wouldn't necessarily spit on Eric Trump, and I'm not saying necessarily that that's what, you know, everyone should do, but I'm just saying that it's just interesting. You know, it's like there were so many people saying things about Obama, there's racial slurs said, um, what about civility then? Yeah. I, I, that's just my, and then, you know, Eric Trump actually went to Breitbart News and he said, this is a disgusting act by someone who has emotional problems. And I, I think a lot of people would say the same thing about his dad on many accounts. I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> just, I just find it very interesting. And, yeah. you know, like I said, I'm not saying spitting is the right answer if you disagree with someone, but on the totem pole of all the wrongdoings and the allegations that are out there involving this administration. I think that's just the yeah. lowest bar. I, I'm just waiting for the woman to come out um, and you know speak. I think she is eventually going to speak. I don't know if you heard about um, that there was some sort of GoFundMe page for yes. the woman, but it really wasn't for the yes. woman. It's for someone else. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that just proves to you that a lot of people would support her. And I think that if she comes out, I mean... I think she's eventually going to come out. She's yeah. going to give an inter interview to someone. I don't know who, but it'll be to someone. I know the the restaurant, the aviary, um, mm -hmm. I guess it's a cocktail bar. I think they've been getting some backlash probably from some Trump supporters. Well, there's not a whole lot of Trump supporters in the city of Chicago other than the people that write for the Chicago Tribune. And uh, and so I just, you know what, I'm not thinking about it. Remember the, the Trump supporter who hit uh, the gentleman in the head at a Trump rally in uh, 2016? Remember that? No, I don't remember uh, that. Yeah, I'm just wondering if, if, if John were king of the world, would he go back and punish that guy for <laughs> punching? I'm just, just thinking about what, if that's a lot of power to be king of the world, you could do a lot of good things. You, know you can. Uh, I was so close to booking that cast interview, <laughs> you just ruined it. Hey, king of the world, let the kids out of the cages, all right? I put that ahead. What do you just, I'm just throwing one last thing. Kids in cages spitting. or spitting yeah. on Eric Trump. I think the kids The kids in, in yeah. cages, definitely. Back to square take. one, John, Cass, please. Sorry you you know what? I think John Cass, I know him. I think he would be on the show if you really wanted him on the show. Johnny I Cass. I think the jokes are better. <laughs> Johnny Cass, some of my favorite songs, Boy Named Sue. All right, let's move on. Uh, Smollett Gate. Speaking of issues that Trump supporters love to yeah. talk about, and I'm pretty obsessively talking about it myself. Uh, it's been two weeks again since you've been on the show. By the way, we're going to have an uh, interview with Andy Grimm, a Chicago uh, Sun-Times reporter, covers uh, the criminal courts mm -hmm. building, uh, courthouse on uh, California. Uh, uh, Romana used to have that beat, and then when she became an editor, uh, Andy took it over. He'll be a, a bonus guest talking more about mm -hmm. it, but give us the updates on Smollett. Well, I totally forgot Jesse Smollett existed while I was on vacation, and then I come <laughs> back, and I'm like, oh, yeah. And, did you, know, you forget Lex that Donald Trump existed? Yes, I did, pretty much, but we I was in Malta, and there was the only time I was reminded that Donald Trump existed, there was like this stand, you know, it's like a touristy area, and they had caricatures, and there's a picture of Donald Trump. So I was like, oh, oh my God, he's still there. Yeah, he's still there. Yeah. But um, yeah, so while I was gone, I came back last Wednesday and then Friday last week, um, the judge, the judge that was assigned to handle the case, the special prosecutor case, uh, Michael Tooman, he ruled that there could be a special prosecutor 
Um, but that there will be a special prosecutor and that opens a possibility of Jesse Smollett being recharged mm-hmm. on the case. And then also um, the police had um, released a bunch of files tied to the Jesse Smollett case. Um, it was nothing new that we haven't heard, but when, I guess one of the things that was interesting was that they uh, there was a police officer's body cam footage of going into Jesse Smollett's uh, apartment or wherever he was staying and he had the the you know the noose around his neck yeah. i don't know from what i said i was telling some of the reporters it kind of looked like a jump rope but that's what i thought it looked like and he kind of kept it on and he was just like well the police officer's like don't you want to take that off and he's like well yeah you know i kind of wanted to you know show you what it looked like and i think there were some revelations about how many times jesse smollett googled himself after he had reported this incident like maybe 50 times or he or one of the brothers that he's accused of hiring to stage this act. Also, um, I don't know if you read Mark Brown's column a couple days ago, but Bill Conway, a former assistant state's attorney, um, is going to is saying that he wants to run for um, state's attorney, mm-hmm. run against Kim Fox. And he, this uh, this attorney, I was like looking at him and I was like, I, I could have sworn I covered a case with him. And then as soon as I Googled his name, I realized his name popped up in another story that Stefano Esposito did. And this was mentioned in Mark Brown's column, but he represented the woman in a case where the judge had cited the Jesse Smollett case saying that she didn't get the, she's, this is a woman in the suburbs also charged with um, disorderly conduct. And uh, the judge had mentioned that, you know, you know, the deal the prosecutors were giving her wasn't the same deal that a celebrity like Jesse Smollett got. And then this attorney had read the case in in the sun times right about the case in the sun times and he represented the woman yeah, we talked about that case yeah we talked about the case mm-hmm. too so that's kind of interesting because as soon as i saw his face i was like i've seen him before yeah. but anyways it's interesting his dad's a billionaire yeah. so he will definitely be well funded yeah, yeah so you know if so he does run. if he does run but and this is all coming from i feel like it's you know all because of what happened with just the just jesse smollett case he probably sees this as an opportunity tended to seize and, and what's your sense of how long this will go uh, and, and the full ramifications? The of Jesse this? Smollett yeah. thing? God, for a couple months, a year. Particularly with the special year, prosecutor. With the special prosecutor. I mean, we also have the, we have to remember, we also had that special prosecutor on the county side who's uh, also investigating. General, yeah, the yeah. Inspector General. Yeah. Sorry, mm-hmm. you should say that. Inspector General. So, um, yeah, it should be interesting. I think this this case is not going to go away soon. No, it's, it, it just keeps coming up. I mean, every time you think they're, the story's done something happens and frankly this the mike judge tuman was kind of ruling against sheila o'brien she's the former judge who filed the request for a special prosecutor a motion for a special prosecutor and he kind of was ruling against her like left and right and you know i don't know i don't know i didn't i didn't expect him necessarily to rule for a special prosecutor so yeah. i thought that was pretty interesting no uh, th- this case serves so many purposes uh politically and uh for instance it's a great instrument to use for people who really dislike kim fox yeah the, the current cook county state's attorney and it'll be uh, used against her uh, Believe it or not, the election's right around the corner. Yeah, uh, these things go fast, don't they? Twenty sixteen, she was elected. Yeah, uh, so it, is, it has it serves a political usefulness uh, for people running against Kim Fox, and obviously, it also is very useful uh, to people who do who are Trump supporters because once again, they can then present you know the left as as this evil group that uh, is maligning them. So uh, it's a, has a very effectiveness. It's very effective for these uh, political. Um, 
you know, these people with political agendas. Yeah, it should be interesting. All right. So that's the latest in Smolik Gain. As I said, uh, we will have Andy Grimm. We're going to special bonus interview through him. He's going to take the deep dive and all this stuff. Uh, The other issue I had to ask you about. Uh, Lori Lightfoot, this happened. This this is sort of broke. Uh, this is such a Romana story here. It broke um, uh, while you and I were gone. No, you were gone, but I was still. I was yeah. here, uh, and that was Lori as a celebrity. And the Chicago Sun Times had a field day with this one. Uh, at least you got, with her going on Oprah yeah. and Stephen Colbert show. Uh, the Colbert show, going to Washington, going to uh, New York. Uh, was it too much? traveling is she uh just getting caught up in um the trappings of her office and she losing sight of the the little people of the city of chicago i I think it's too early to tell i mean i think anybody that would be mayor is going to do that right they're kind of going to go on their tour and you know Lori lightfoot is you know she is a gay black woman you know so you know we never had a black woman as mayor let alone someone who is a lesbian so you know she's definitely going to have you know and she's very smart and you know she's succeeded rom after he decided he wasn't going to run for election so she's going to have that celebrity or you know people are going to be interested factor Mm -hmm. for a while but you know if she's going off all the time i think that's definitely like something but it's i I don't know i think it's just too early to tell so it hasn't it hasn't rubbed you the wrong way no, I I don't know. It didn't rub me the wrong way. I, I, I feel like that's personally, I mean, yeah, if she's, I'm sure Rom kind of went around and about too, didn't he? And he was criticized for that. And I'm sure Lori Lightfoot supporters won't criticize her for the same thing that well, Rom, Rom does. But Rom, uh, I, I, this is, we made this point when you were gone. Rom wasn't criticized uh, for that until late, relatively later. Yeah. It was part of the Going celebrityhood. Yeah. The celebrityhood of Rom was part of why people voted for him like he's a guy with connections in washington and hollywood and he he could bring businesses to the city of chicago and spread our brand i mean that was sort of his appeal uh it was only after he just started closing schools and yeah and And then yeah and then he would travel at the you know inopportune times i think that's what was some of the criticism but i think as a city of chicago you're going to have to travel and make those connections and really you know relationships we have sister cities she's going to go to some places that are international. So I don't know. I think it's too early to tell, but I think, you know, she's open to criticism just like anybody else. And, you know, she's always off and about, I think people should be criticizing her. Uh, I mean, Mick Jagger's, mentioning her all right well, let's like, yeah let's talk about Mick I Jack- yeah, was- let, let Romana hear your Mick Jagger impression <laughs> hello Romana <laughs> <laughs> that's my Mick Jagger imitation what do you think I, of that Mick Jagger yeah, imitation? I don't know it doesn't sound like him <laughs> no it doesn't right <laughs> no, it doesn't. well let's hear that your just, Mick Jagger I, don't, I can't do an imitation of him because you know he does that rooster dance and it's just uh, oh that's another issue I don't even call it a dance my my position on this is that Mick Jagger is not a good dancer i've stuck to this for many years your thoughts please he's he's just he just kind of like moves around i said i called it a chicken dance because it seems like when a chicken gets its head cut off that's what he's <laughs> dancing like or what, whatever that is he's i don't know i saw dive. i saw the rolling stones in 1994 and i remember saying to my brother who i went to the concert with like God, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards are going to die soon. <laughs> so we better see them really quick. Oh, well, you were they're wrong. still alive. Yeah. I know. There's yeah. so many other people who passed away since. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And I, 
I heard that the shows were really good. Uh, they played Friday and then they played. It was funny because they had like a couple of days in between, probably because they're so old. Well, we, between Friday yeah. and Tuesday. No more old jokes, okay? We already <laughs> talked about that in regards to Eric Swallow and Joe Biden. Okay, I should. Uh, but it's it, it's interesting. And then he mentioned Lori Lightfoot, which I thought it was like weird. Do you think he actually knew about Lori Lightfoot? No. Do you think someone said, hey? No. I think someone told him, like, you know, hey, so there's this woman (laughs) named Lori Lightfoot. She's now the mayor. So on Friday, he said, I want to welcome Lori Lightfoot. She wasn't even at the show, the Friday show. And he said, I'm sorry, Ed Burke couldn't make it. I was like, how do you know who Ed Burke is? You know, I mean, my my mom probably doesn't even know who Ed Burke is. So, but I thought that was kind of funny. And then, you know, he mentioned, uh, how he's never tried Italian beef, wet or dry. And then he mentioned Malort, like he's never tried yeah. that either. And Chicago cliches. We talked about yeah, this. Like Chicago the, cliches. So you know, this is what Chicago is all about. And yeah. Uh, it, now, all right, here you go quickly. You have to choose one ticket or other Rolling Stones or Bob Seeger. Who do you go see? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Rolling Stones. I just saw Bob Seeger and I haven't seen, I haven't seen, the Rolling Stones since 94. I mean, I'm glad I saw him. I'm, I wasn't dying to see him, but I can see why people want to see him. And, yeah. you know, I, I just heard the tickets were really expensive, although Outrageous. an editor on my on the desk told me that he got tickets for $95 on StubHub, which I know is expensive, but that's cheap. Wow, for the man, Brian Stone. paid way more than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Don't tell Brian, all yeah, right? Yeah, I know that's what I was saying, because I remember, like, the Stones came, like, four or five years ago, and there was an attorney that I know um, who posted like hey i have rolling stones tickets i can't use you know, them they're like two thousand dollars each and i'm like there's always like the guy like the editor who always i got the good deal no, uh, he said that a friend of his oh a friend of his my friend okay i told you i friend i got the guy good deal but yeah a couple people a couple people went to see the stones like that work at the sun times it, although i'll be i think they're well not all baby boomers but yeah some. no all baby no but you know brian's no baby boomer brian the brain the the brains behind the show oh no no he's he's young. And then, um, you know, the, I know that this reporter from the Associated Press got to cover the show for um, for work. And he said that he saw, like he said, he was amazed by the age range. He said there's people who were 18 and he saw somebody on a walker, like kind of dancing. To, <laughs> that to was Mick Jagger. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Oh, sorry about that, Mick. Uh, all right. Now uh, we're coming to the end of our segment here. I got to get your thoughts on the debate. Uh, Neil Steinberg, got to give Neil Steinberg credit. It was a pretty funny column he wrote. Yeah, today. I read that. I, you know, I admit I didn't watch the debates. I read about them afterwards. Wait, I was at the Cubs. Whoa, I was at the. Up. I know. I, you didn't watch the debates. I will watch them as the numbers get lower. I just feel like it's like a crowd. It's like a Rolling Stones concert. All these baby boomers and the, in, you know, talking. Well, was, wait, t- hold on now. I'm defending old people again. <laughs> There were a lot of millennials on that stage. Millennials? There's no millennials. There's at least three millennials running. Oh, uh, Tulsi Gabbard? Oh, there are three millennials running. Uh, Millennial being anybody born after 1980. Samina is in the studio. She knows these things, right? She's nodding, yeah. Uh, 1980, I believe, is the cutoff for millennials. So that would mean the oldest millennial will be 39. So Eric Swalwell is a millennial. He's 38. Oh, wrinkly suit Swalwell? Yeah, Swalwell. (laughs) Oh, Joe, you're old! That seems to be his platform right now. Uh, Pete Buttigieg is a millennial, I believe. Yeah, that's true. He's 37, 38. 37. And... um, yeah, uh, Tulsi's a, a millennial, I want to yeah. say. The uh, congresswoman from Hawaii, who did a very good job, in my humble opinion, the first debate. She only got like five minutes. But she said some 
really powerful things about the United States, uh, the wars that you're endlessly fighting in yeah. the Middle East. Um, I don't know. Muslims don't like her because she's supported by um, right-wing Indian people. Yeah. So. Well, that's a whole other issue. Uh, <laughs> Are you going to talk yeah. about that, Samina? Samina's like, yeah, it's about time yeah. to talk. Ah, my favorite part of the Ben like, show, when he talks to people without <laughs> microphones. <laughs> so that's what a podcast is. talking about that for a long time. Dulce actually means basil, basil in Hindi, I, by the I, way. I know that I know that she's very controversial on that front. She but is. She's very heard, controversial. Um, she's controversial. But she's the first. Uh, she, I think she's the only Democrat on the stage for the last two days. Again, I'm looking at Samina for uh, uh, who actually spoke strongly against all our foreign policy, policy interventions, all our wars we've been fighting endlessly. So I give her credit for that. Uh, Samina's like, well, doesn't she, isn't she pro? Um, uh, yeah, she's got some issues. Yeah, so uh, she's she's definitely she's. I'm just telling you, amongst a lot of you know, a lot of a lot of people have been saying that liberals or progressives, should I say, are wrongly enamored by her. But oh, but. I, we've had this. She keeps. We've had this conversation yeah. uh, on previous shows. <laughs> I'm just she's saying, nodding. our people do not like her. Yes, That's I understand saying. that, but I'm giving her credit for you can give her credit. forcefully, and I mean forcefully denouncing American wars in the Middle East. I mean, she was the only one on the stage doing that, so I give her credit for that. But she also, I think, fits the uh, the, the, the the reason I raise her. She's a millennial in the race. So oh, okay. The, Sorry, uh, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't. Yeah, I, you should I, say I do, it's all I, baby boomers. I did, I did read about... Um, I did read about the debates afterwards, and I saw this clips of people speaking Spanish. Yes, <laughs> that's Rourke what uh, and Cory Booker wrote. A very funny I just thought, too. I mean, it's like on one hand, uh, the AP did a really good story, and actually, you know, the two writers who wrote the uh, the story, one is include included as a Spanish who's somebody who can speak Spanish, and it's just like, you know, there's some people cringing at that. It's it's just like, oh my god, yeah, you're busting heard, out in Spanish. I heard the word spandering. That's yeah. a new word now. His pandering. His pandering. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know if you saw Cory Booker's. I think I Cory Booker all. was worse. Like he was trying to like, I don't know. There was a skit on Saturday Night Live in the early 90s where Jimmy Smits is like in a conference room and all these people that are sitting around him are white and he's only like um, Latino employee and then everybody's trying to use spanish and they're like using these like crazy accents i thought cory booker reminded me of that skit i just think i just think i don't know i i was probably on the team that's cringing over it it's just like oh well, okay the, the, and the point weird. uh and there's po- nothing wrong i mean it's good i guess and i think um aoc said that you know at least there's an effort on their part but it's a little cheesy that's just my opinion uh and then the the point that neil steinberg was making is that uh, it will uh, end up backfiring against the Democrats. Uh, that was the, the point he made, and this is the line he had. Uh, well, it's more than one line. Uh, the Republicans won in 2016 by building a coalition. They locked down their largest groups of supporters, whites who didn't go to college, oh, yeah, and that. so missed classes like why treason is bad, AO1, and how to grasp when you're being lied to. Then the GOP added evangelicals who don't follow their faith, Jews who care more about Israel than Judaism, and various minorities trying to pass by ignoring their own interests. Some 29% of Hispanics voted for Trump despite his platform of mm-hmm open hostility toward them. Uh, that coalition combined with voter suppression and a boost for the wall, uh, over the wall by the Russians worked. So his larger point is that just this feeds into this notion uh, that so many voters have that the Democratic Party is hostile to them. Yeah. Uh, and so it just works to Donald Trump's advantage. Do you see it that way? Um, yeah, I, I can see what Neil is saying. I can for sure. I just think um, it's going to be uphill battle 
from what I can tell. For it's the like, Democrats. For the Democrats, for sure. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, that's just like a minor point. I don't know if that's going to be... It'll probably be long the, forgotten. Yeah, it'll be long forgotten because there's just, there's just so many candidates right now on the on the Democrat side. It's just, I don't know. Well, it's my, I didn't even know. I didn't even know about Marianne Williamson yeah, until Mary. yesterday. Oh, what's your thoughts on Mary? Okay. Wait, can we play the Marianne Sorry. Williams? Oh, which one? My <laughs> goodness. I got so many Marianne Williamson clips. Williamson. Oh, man. All right. Hold on. Let me find it here. Hang tight with me. All right. Yeah. All we right, got to get Ramon on Marianne. All right. Here's a, we'll have her on Trump. This man has reached into the psyche of the American people and he has harnessed fear for political purposes. So, Mr. President, if you're listening, I want you to hear me, please. You have harnessed fear for political purposes and only love can cast that out. So I, sir, I have a feeling you know what you're doing. I'm going to harness love for political purposes. I will meet you on that field and, sir, love will win. All right, love will win. Only love can conquer hate. Like I, said, I, I feel mean, like- the only people who can say things like that are like the Beatles. that's just my opinion i don't know new age people just rub me the wrong way it's just you know gwyneth paltrow was like calls her a great spiritual advisor it's just a little too hokey for me but i i I don't know i i know a lot of people i think i saw an article that said laugh all you want but look who's president right now you know so it's you know I, I I had no idea who she was, but I didn't know she was. You told me that she was Oprah's guru. Oh uh, well, no, I think I spiritual. think a spiritual advisor, especially okay. a better spiritual advisor than the one Trump has. Did you ever hear Trump's spiritual advisor? No, who what, is this? Uh, the, Does the he pastor, have a... I'm looking at Samina. She doesn't know. Um, I'm blanking on the pastor's name. She was the one who gave the opening prayer, which if you can call what she said a prayer at Trump's. Uh, re-election rally in Florida where she essentially said that everybody who is against Trump is a instrument of the devil. Oh my God. Uh, no, well, I don't know who she White, is. I forget her last name. I'm blanking. I put it I, out of I'm my mind. I'm surprised that he even has a spiritual advisor. Well, that, but, she, yeah, that, but then if you have a spiritual <laughs> advisor who says things like that, then... A, a spiritual advisor implies that you have a spirit. So uh, I'm not sure if that applies <laughs> to Donald soul. John Trump or his soul or something. Uh, but uh, anyway, sorry, you're not I, a big I, fan I, of New Age. Uh, that's, no, I'm, I'm not. Like, because a lot that. of a lot of it is just like taking a lot of things that Indian people have been doing for a long time <laughs> and making money off of it. And a lot yeah. of it is BS. Yeah. So, you know, they're kind of making money off of really gullible people. That's just my opinion. Like, you know, they have these stones that people yeah. buy these crystals and they're like a million dollars. And they're like, oh this this healing stone is going to make you feel so much better and it's like come on uh all we all our new age <laughs> listeners the, the views and oh, they're gone <laughs> they'll probably kill me whatever no, they've joined they've left like just like john cass all right we've chased away our new age guy <laughs> and our john cass lovers they're all you know, together i'm not saying that new age people are bad it's just a little hokey it's like they're just so i don't know i find them very gullible and like it's like okay i I'm just going to per- call myself a spiritual guru and make uh, money that way. It's right. probably a smarter thing to do than journalism at this point. Yeah, anyway. Absolutely. There's a future in it. All right. That's Ramana Hussain. She comes on the show every Friday and alienates uh, new age people uh, and conservatives. But it's always a blast talking to her. See you next Friday. All right. Thanks. All right. And we have Samina Mustafa, as I said. Danny P is here. Candace uh, Castillo is on our way. We're going to be talking about the debates. Stick around. We'll be right back. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. 
Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. Chicagoland Cremation Options. Options.com. One more time. Chicago Land Cremation Options.com. It's Chicagoland's Adult Entertainment Playground. It's the world famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. Today's Ben Jaromsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Discover the breadth and majesty of Chicago's architecture on a Chicago Architecture Center bus tour. From bungalows to Bauhaus, our expert docents will share the fascinating stories behind our city's architecture. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a bus tour right now. My, look at that wonderful piece of architecture. Hey, playing now at Steppenwolf Theater, the world premiere of Ms. Black for President. It's inspired by the true, that's true as in it really happened, T-R-U-E story of Joan Dett Black, America's first drag queen presidential candidate. You know who created it, D? No. It was created by Tony nominee Tina Landau. Oh. And you know who else created it? No. Oscar winner Terrell Alvin McCraney. You know him, Moonlight. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. For tickets, visit Steppenwolf.org. That's Steppenwolf, like the rock group from the 60s, Hang tight, millennials. <laughs> the Ben Jarofsky Show was supported by the Northwestern Summer Writers Conference. Now in its 15th year, the three-day conference held in Chicago features a diverse array of workshops, speakers, discussions, and readings. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash writers. If government failed you, maybe you're the problem, Joe Biden. It's not rocket science. What was the good one last week? Remember, Joe Biden comes out, well, if you elect me president, I'm going to cure cancer. Wow. Why the hell didn't you do that over the last 50 years, Joe? All right, hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, June 28th is just moments away. But before we get into that, we would like to thank the following unions once again for jumping on board and helping bring back our program. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Thank you once again to those unions for jumping on board and helping bring back the Ben Jarofsky show. And of course, today's program is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. Thank goodness it is Friday, June 28th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In 
In this hour of the program, we're talking all things the Democratic presidential candidate debates with political know-it-all Dan Pogoshelsky, political strategist Candace Castillo, and also political know-it-all and dear friend Samina Mustafa. And now your host, Marianne Williamson's biggest fan. <laughs> Not sure why. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. I like her. What can I say? I like Marion Williamson. Only love can conquer hate. Uh, we have Samina Mustafa. We have Danny Pokoshelsky and Candace Castillo is on her way. The dream team of political experts from the city of Chicago uh, to talk about the debates. Uh, we're utterly obsessed with them. We're utterly obsessed with politics. We are char- trying to chart a future that the Democratic Party can follow to bring nothing but love and healing. To speak, to quote Marion Williamson to all of humanity. I think that's... Oh, man. Uh, Hippie Ben Jarofsky yeah. is awesome. <laughs> the new age Ben Jarofsky. Uh, and, uh, but before that, D, you have an update for us? Absolutely, I do. Right now on the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page, a question, who won, who lost last night's Democratic presidential debate? Let's see here. We said weigh in with your comments and we'll read them on the air. So what the hell? We'll read them on the air. So first up, how about, let's see, Pete. Pete says Warren wins the first debate and Harris wins the second. The best uh, the best comment about the debates I've read so far, Warren being in the polling lead in her group of 10 debaters had no opportunity to punch up, so she presented her plans. Warren looked presidential. Harris did get to punch up against Sanders and especially Biden, who came off terribly. Harris looked strong. Yeah, I, a lot of what he said, I agree with Samina, your uh, general agreement with him, just like the most general way. Yeah, yeah. Uh... If I were to summarize the two debates, I would say the first night was a policy fight and Warren came out really strong. Uh, and it was really the, the strongest focus is on immigration. On the second night, it actually ended up being uh, a food fight, yeah. to use yeah. Kamala Harris's phrase, uh, really where Biden was getting most of the attacks. So there was there was really, unfortunately, not enough policy, more sort of attacks on Biden and really the, a referendum on the Obama Biden administration. Absolutely. Leah, by the way, agrees with you. We were talking about that earlier. Not enough policy in the second debate. Uh, and uh, all right. Any what other comments? America we get? does not want to witness a food fight. They want to know how we're going to put food on their table. Yeah. That was Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. Yeah, we're going to have to get another set of headphones here, Candace, in the studio to hear these. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where we're going to get get them, dude. Uh, (laughs) Brian, get another set of headphones in here. All right. On to our next comment. It is Tara. Tara says Biden came off poorly. He had so much makeup on his uh, face and teeth. Oh, wow. Tara, weighing in here, being honest. Uh, Looks like they were glowing. Bernie has the best message, but probably Warren or Harris have the best shot. Oh, this lady can't say anything about Bernie's appearance, but weighing in on Biden. Okay, I see. Uh, On to Dory. Dory says uh, Kamala came across as powerful. Powerful and presidentially strong. However, I know nothing about her history or what she stands for. So, time to do some research. Yeah, do some research. Kamala Harris. A lot of people talking about Kamala Harris today after last night's debate. Uh, and uh, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's. Uh, wait, got another one? Keep no, the, ca- on. keep the uh, messages coming. Head over to the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page at Benny J Show. B E N N Y. The letter J Show on both Facebook and Twitter. All right, we um, uh, Candace Castillo has joined us as well. Danny Pogoshelsky is in the studio, and Samina Mustafa. We already heard from Samina. Candace, just most general thoughts. I know you're a political junkie. You watch both debates. Your most general thoughts. Uh, about what has gone down. I saw you all over Facebook. Yeah, she's all over Facebook. (laughs) Posting like crazy. I was like, Ben, we got to get Candace on, dude. Yeah. So it was a couple of things. So Mm -hmm. one, 
Um, first night was unfortunately what the Democrats didn't want to do. It was a kids table debate. And having Elizabeth Warren at the kids' table debate just seemed like your awkward aunt that has to sit at the kids' table at Thanksgiving dinner. It didn't seem like she was there. I disagree with what a lot of pundits said. I don't think Klobuchar did what she needed to do. I don't think she made herself known. I don't think Booker made himself he did what he needed to do. If anything, he made himself look petty. You're talking about Cory Booker, Senator of New Jersey, Amy Klobuchar, uh, Senator from Minnesota. Go ahead. That's and, night number one. Go ahead. And I really like Amy Klobuchar. That's the thing. And Senator Booker, the you just got the best meme out of the debates. When he started looking at uh, former Congressman Beto O'Rourke crazy when he was speaking in <laughs> Spanish. Yeah. I mean, that was the best meme yeah. from the debates. Yeah. But... Julian Castro, Mm -hmm. who I said was the sleeper candidate of this, he is the one to watch. After Elizabeth Warren, he did the best that first night. He is the one to watch. He he did not come to a knife with a gunfight. He showed up and showed out. And his poll numbers went up as they should. Mm -hmm. Right? Second night. Second night was very frustrating for me. Uh, Kirsten Gillibrand really got on my nerves. How so? She. It wasn't even that she was interrupting to make a better point. She was just interrupting to be the de Blasio of that night. Yeah. I don't know if it's a New York thing, <laughs> if it's a, but it was like, Stop. Just, all right, fine. Finish your point. I mean, even Chuck Todd at some point got sick of her. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) Harris, 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 Harris owned the night. Yeah. Harris owned the night in many ways. But what was so striking the second night was the difference in age. That age difference came glaring at you across that screen. And I'm not a big Biden person. And Bernie, well, Bernie just seemed angry. Yeah. Bernie just seemed angry. All of you kids are using my message. Where were you four years ago? I mean, or two years ago. But that age difference just came glaring out to you. And regardless if you agreed with, the congressman or not, Congressman Swalwell or not, you couldn't help but say, man, they will be 80 in office and maybe your time has passed. Although I gave him the most prejudice. I had a category of the most prejudiced debater uh, and the, the nominees for the in that category. I got to hear your nominees. Well, the nominees were uh, Pete Buttigieg. Uh, who just discovered that uh, we have troubles with race relations uh, regarding police officers. Okay, he's only been mayor for eight years. I yeah. just discovered that. I think Rom discovered it after, uh, yeah. you know, um, the, the Quan McDonald video. Uh, Joe Biden, who uh, was <laughs> incapable of saying I was wrong on the busing issue. He's still stubborn to this stage. But the hands down winner, I'm sorry, as an old guy in the room, Eric Swalwell, openly openly anti-old people. Uh, But your point is very well taken that um, I do believe 
it's if it's a popularity contest, a young person is more appealing and more quote unquote attractive. And so when you put the when you force the attention on the age issue, just how people look, do you follow what I'm saying? How they talk? I do think that it sends a message. Maybe Bernie's too old, or maybe definitely Joe Biden had some issues up there. Uh, so I think it may be an effective tactic, but it irritated me as an old geezer. I mean, maybe it irritated you as an old geezer, but I would like to push back on your most prejudiced comments because from the first night, Tim Representative Tim Ryan said some things that made my skin crawl. You know, I, 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 that was, uh, I was doing last night's debate uh, for the most <laughs> prejudiced. I forgot yeah. about the prejudice thing. Yeah. Uh, said, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't keep his Muslim terrorists. <laughs> like, I mean, so here's a problem, okay? You, what these the role of these debates? We've got twenty people on stage over two nights. This was an opportunity to either break through or really kind of explode and and really go away. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of people who, frankly, got were wounded by their performance. I think Tim Ryan, Representative Tim Ryan, was one of them. I think uh, Castro and De Blasio, Julian Castro and and. Um, De Blasio actually came after Beto, both on the first night, and so I think he was he was wounded. And he actually, uh, I think it was actually Savannah Guthrie who asked a question about Beto's race for Senate, and asked him about Medicare for All because he supported Medicare for All as a Senate candidate. He was actually endorsed by National Nurses United, and so she kind of called him out for his yeah. flip flop. So I mean, again, he was getting it from the moderators and the no, other candidates. Better work should not even be in the race. That's a whole other conversation. We're going to get to the candidates who should not even be running. But I mean, like, it, I'd say on the first night, the people who surprised, I was actually, I know people in New York who are kind of like, why is de Blasio even here? Go away. You did a terrible job as mayor. But he actually said some smart things. And he actually, like I said, kind of got under Beto's yes. skin. Um, and, he, and he said some good things about uh, about immigration. But when, uh, and then Warren obviously was strong, but nobody came after her. You notice nobody came after yeah. Warren. They kind of left her alone. The letter, And you, you barely heard from her in the second hour on night two it was like i mean gumla dunked it should have been sponsored by dunkin donuts she dunked on <laughs> biden so yeah, many yeah. times and yeah. i gotta say like you know i know people you know and i'm curious i know that you know as as the only uh woman of color on stage the fact that she got to say what she said about race, I thought was really powerful. Yeah. And I got to hand it to you, Ben. You've got two women of color on this panel. They didn't have a single woman of color as a moderator. NBC, MSNBC didn't have a single. They had Savannah Guthrie and Rachel Maddow. There was not a single woman of color. Who who are it? Who are the, is the most reliable base for the Democrats? Black women. Yeah, well, there should have been a black woman moderator. Yep. So I, I'm giving you credit, Ben, that your your panel your panel analyzing the debates right is more is more diverse uh, and more reflective, frankly, of the the Democratic base. Uh, so. And uh, now the third person who's here, <laughs> young Daniel P, the only non-woman of color. Uh, are you a millennial? The, are you a millennial? Yeah, he's I'm a millennial. Yeah, he's a millennial. I got a I got I got a I got a, a Z. I, I got, man, you talk about I got a Z who speaks up. <laughs> okay, so I got a Z. I got millennials. All right, young Daniel, what did you think of the debates? Um, one of the interesting things that I I thought was with regards to the difference between the Bernie Sanders platform that he talked about in 2016, and then the candidate Bernie Sanders in 2018. So we started talking about this and how, on the one hand, his platform, hands down, 
winner. Look at so many of these things, which, you know, 1994 Democrats were totally opposed to, right? In the era of triangulation. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and uh, of course, Bernie was a little, Bernie, you could tell, was not so comfortable with people talking about his message, right? Um, he was very defensive and protective of it. It's my message. There you go. And uh, so on the one hand, Bernie, the, 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 the messenger from 2016, you know, kind of uh, the revolution devoured its own children, right? Yeah. And so you did not have that same kind of thunder that you had in, in, in 2016. And I think that's something that's very important. Um, with regards to uh, 2018, the day two of debate, I think this is where you saw Donald Trump's influence. And you're like, what? A Democratic debate? How is Donald Trump influences? Donald Trump was the master in 2016 when you had the crazy 17, right? It was 17 yeah. uh, Republicans that were running of understanding from all those years of reality TV, hit those zingers, go in there. This is what you got to do, right? It wasn't genteel debate. This was not a debate. This is like, hey, how do I get the zinger that's going to get tweeted, that's going to get noticed, that's going to get out there? And Joe Biden not realizing that All right. crumbled. All right, let's 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 get to Joe Biden. Since you just mentioned him, Candace, love to hear your thoughts about Joe Biden. Um, I, I, know, I think this is your third time on the show. I know you're not a huge Joe Biden fan uh, from past conversations. Uh, my opinion, that was the worst I've ever seen Joe Biden perform. I've been watching Joe Biden for many, many years. Uh, and uh, that was the worst performance by Joe Biden I've ever seen, and that and that includes the Anita Hill hearings. Okay, so it's he just looked bad in so many ways. Uh, do you share my general sense about him from last night? Ben, you're wrong. I mean, it's the worst worst performances. <laughs> no, okay. I'm not not a Joe Biden fan. Right in 2016, I wanted Joe Biden to enter the race probably more than anybody else, more than anybody else I knew. Why? Because I knew Hillary couldn't win and I didn't feel like Bernie was going to be able to bring enough people over because I am the worst of the worst. I am a single issue voter. I am a voter that votes on the Supreme Court because that's where all my issues end up at. So I knew the court picks were coming up. I said, let it be Joe because Joe can go toe to toe with Trump. Yeah. Now. Yeah. I can't stand Joe Biden. Not for real. <laughs> the busing, the crime bill, which we let Bernie Sanders get a pass on and he voted for the 1994 crime bill. I love him when he's running for president and there's a hot mic in front of his face because he's going to say whatever he's not supposed to. But last night, it wasn't that he did anything he wasn't supposed to do. He came off pompous like Hillary Clinton came off pompous like this is mine. Number one. And number two, he really was the old guy with makeup on his teeth, like the comment said, because he really did. I had to look close and I even rewound and went back and <laughs> he had makeup on his teeth. But he looked like the old guy in the room and placing him right next to Kamala was just genius to me because you saw it. You saw what the party was. And you saw what the party is and I'm not saying I'm a, a thousand 
percent in for Kamala. If you read my Facebook post today, there is there's some real questions and I want people to argue about it. Right. Because there's some real questions. She was a prosecutor. That's hard for me. Well, now we're back to Lori Lightfoot country uh, <laughs> because Lori, that was hard we for can. a lot of voters in yeah. the city of Chicago that Lori Lightfoot was a prosecutor. So many people came on this show. Uh, Candace, you know this, uh, said she's a cop. They could never vote for her because she's a cop. Uh, we'll get into. Uh, and yet. And yet it was otherwise. And yes, you got 75% of the vote. I'm right now feeling Kamala Harris. Got to tell you this, uh, Samina. And but something that Candace just said just popped in my head. She knew that Hillary wasn't going to win in 2016. Do you think America will elect a woman as president? Yeah, I mean, here's the problem. We need a candidate. And this is, I, I don't. I, the answer is I don't know. Here's what I do know: since nine, since the Voting Rights Act passed in 1964. A majority of white voters have never voted for the Demo- have not voted for the Democratic presidential nominee. Isn't that deep? So we need to find a candidate. We Democrats need to find a candidate who is going to attract a- a communities of color. We need those votes. You- you're not going to win. Um, you're not going to get the Obama Trump like they're not. They may not come back. So all these people who are thinking like that's where we're going to spend our time and that's who we're going to pick as our nominee. Like a lot of those people who are looking at a Biden or even a Buttigieg or people like that, like that's not your base. Mm -hmm. They're not going to come out for you. And that's part of I mean, there are so many things you can talk about 2016, but I think that's that's what people have to remember. Um, There's a really great um, uh, collective that's been started by a woman named Amy Allison called She the People. They did did, um, a forum in in Houston, Texas, um, where, you know, it became really clear uh, what 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 are issues that are very important to women of color in general and how do the candidates respond when under the gun and being, you know, sort of queried by those voters. And I think that's really what folks have to remember. Now, when you look at some of the issues that came up specifically last night and Biden um, responded, somebody actually t- uh, tweeted this, um, Nicole Hannah-Jones, who's a great writer and, and uh, someone who really boosted Ida B. Wells, um, the, the monument that's going to be built. She tweeted, like, I can't believe in 2019 that a Democratic presidential debate that somebody is using states' rights mm-hmm. as a reason to defend busing. We are literally in Ronald Reagan territory. We are not gonna win if we are using a state's rights argument. Stop playing like Republicans. That's how we lose. Stop being Republicans. So you think it's less that Hillary Clinton was uh, a woman and more that she played like a Republican to explain why there she were, was. I mean, there's so many reasons, but some of it was not being willing to go out there and, yeah. and court those votes and be really assertive on those issues. And it was always on the defensive. Yeah. And that's what I, you can already see Biden is playing. He's on the defensive when it comes to these issues, when it came to like, uh, you know, Kamala dunked him again on the issue of immigration. You know, the number of deportations, 400,000 a year, 3 million total, and he was trying to defend his record and she came back at him. So it's like those are the things that are going to affect the base. Mm -hmm. They're going to remember those things and say, are you going to do this again? You're attacking Trump now, but how are you going to be different? Mm -hmm. Daniel? 
Uh, you know, speaking about Kamala Harris and her prosecutorial past, the way that she delivered those lines, that was just like an expert prosecutor. Just boom. I was waiting for the uh, law and order. Boom, boom. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> to get in there, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so I think that's something that's 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 really important to look at it. And uh, Frank Bruni in the New York Times, he had the, a column which said, "Oh, you know, I'm seeing Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg ticket, right? Oh. I'm just oh, telling no. you that was his. He's that, that was guy. His, I'm just simply stating, <laughs> right? He's going Frank, anywhere. Frank Bruni is, is me, a former right? food critic yeah. turned just, like moderate. I'm, I'm You're just, just simply, reporting. yeah, okay, just yeah. simply talking <laughs> yeah. about, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and so." And, you know, both of them had a good performance, right? In terms of the, in terms of when you ha were reading the, the punditocracy, the pundit class, this is not my opinion, right? But the, the pundit class, uh, you know, folks talked about, oh, wow, these were, these are two strong, uh, two, two strong candidates. And so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Of course, the election, we have a whole, we have more than yeah, a year, right? This but is the first were, round. But okay. if it were, if it were tomorrow, it wouldn't be wouldn't be surprising to see if those two were the ones who ended up on that ticket. Yeah, I couldn't disagree more. I thought Buttigieg actually did quite poorly, and he speaks. I mean, he, what he speaks seven languages. His eighth language is McKinsey, <laughs> McKinsey Consultant. Uh, yeah, um, he says nothing. He <laughs> yep. says nothing. Yeah. Yep. And I think Buttigieg won. He did win because in his head, he's running against Beto O'Rourke for that fifth spot and he won against Beto. I mean, that's 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 what it is. Right. He didn't really win anything last night. He got no new supporters. The best thing he said was his line about evangelical voters and their faith. That was a great line, but other than that... Wait, what was that line? I do remember. Did, help me out with that he one. He was basically trying to say that the conservatives have like... Yes. The evangelicals yes. have like... The, you're, you're like you're basically... You're, you're claiming Christianity, but you're not being Christian. You're not being good Christian. But there's, too. you know, which the religious left is kind of like... Thanks, Pete. But we're here. Uh -huh. Right. But, but here's my thing. Right. Let's going back to the Hillary Clinton thing for a second. Oh. Hillary Clinton lost because she was Hillary Clinton, not because of anything else. I voted for Hillary Clinton, too. She lost because her name was Hillary Clinton. She lost because she pulled hot sauce out of her bag. <laughs> she lost because there were memes that were her face on Donald Trump's body put out there by the Russians. She lost because. I mean, Ava DuVernay's 13th was all of the reasons not to vote for Trump, but you couldn't watch it and say, well, damn, maybe I shouldn't vote for Hillary, too. So not only do we need to have a woman who should be the candidate, but we should have a woman who can definitely deliver us the Senate and some of these state houses, too. If we do not win the Senate and these state houses and get rid of Mitch McConnell, we can have a Democratic president all day. We are still in a world of hurt. All right. right. Uh, and uh, that Mitch McConnell is a great transition we're going to come back to. And I'm also going to ask our panelists, the Kamala Harris, am I too into Kamala Harris right now. <laughs> Have I consumed too much of my Kamala Harris Kool-Aid? Hold on, Candace. Mm. <laughs> my Kamala Harris Kool-Aid is tasting pretty good. <laughs> Candace is like, uh-uh. So we'll be right back after this.
Part of Joe's before, generation. I'm all for part of Joe's generation. Okay. Let before, me respond. Before we move the on issue, from, if I may say, is not generational. Let's, please, please. Yeah. The Senator issue Sanders, is and I'll not generational. The please issue is who has the guts to take on Wall Street? Today's Ben Jaromsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Get to know your city on one of Chicago Architecture Center's 65 walking tours. Hear the unforgettable secrets and stories behind Chicago architecture from our expert docents. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a tour right now. Oh, wow. Look at that building. Today's Ben Jarowski Show is brought to you in part by Green Element Resale. It's located at 6241 North Broadway in Chicago. And people, it is incredible. Furniture, appliances, lamps, books, clothes, electronics. It's a thrift shop, but it's the only thrift shop in Chicago that helps bring you the Ben Jarowski Show. So if you're ever on Broadway between Granville and Devon, Tell them thank you and go check out Green Element Resale, 6241 North Broadway, and find more information at greenelementresale.com. Green Element Resale, go and save tons of money. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed, we are live. We are having a very spirited debate about the debates. Samina Mustafa, Danny Pokoshelsky, Candace Castillo in the studio. These three political junkies know a lot about politics. Uh, before we bring them back, I uh, got, uh, got a, a question queued up for Candace. She's ready for it. Uh, do you got an update for me? Uh, yeah, just a quick update here. I want to remind everybody, like we do every weekend, we have our Benny J bonus interviews. Mm -hmm. We uh, do these pre-recorded interviews every week for you to download on the week. And for those who I don't know, maybe want their Benny J fix on the weekend, uh, this week, well, this weekend we have on Saturday, Andy Grimm, Chicago Sun-Times reporter. His beat is Jesse Smollett. <laughs> well, Smollett Gate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when he's on our show, that's good, but he also covers Cook County Courthouse. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a Smollett Gate update with Andy Grimm on Sunday. Toy Hutchinson and Johan Gordon Booth, the marijuana moms. Yeah. They're no, talking they're about marijuana uh, legalization in mm -hmm. Illinois. And on Monday, Ben's co-host on First Tuesdays. Mick Dumkey, investigative journalist of ProPublica. Uh, they talked uh, for a little bit. What did you guys talk about? Oh, man, we talked so much about marijuana uh, because the, you guys will get a kick out of this. I can remember, it was Danny, you were the one who was saying that uh, Bernie Sanders uh, sort of was expressing irritation uh, that everybody else is picking up on his themes that he exclusively was proclaiming. I can kind of relate. Uh, Mick Dumkey and I were talking about how 10 years ago when we first, first started writing about uh, legalizing marijuana, it, it was treated as a bizarre alien issue nobody would touch and now it's so widely accepted and there is a part of me like a bernie sanders part of me it's like oh now you're all aboard the bandwagon uh so i can kind of relate to bernie but you know what you gotta let it go bernie okay you gotta let it go all right you did the right thing you took the stand on the national health care other people picked up on it they see it's in the polls gotta let it go and just accept that uh, your idea time to pass the torch never gonna say that you you guys looking forward to the time when Bill Clinton is going to, for whatever firm, you know, pays him, he'll be going on there. He's like, I finally inhaled. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Bill Clinton is so full of it. All right. Uh, go check out our uh, Ben Jarofsky, Benny J bonus interviews at chicago.suntimes.com, forward slash Jarofsky, chicagoreader.com, or wherever else you download your favorite podcast. No, YouTubers, it's not going to be on YouTube. It's download only. Go check it out. Subscribe. And by the way, we just hit 100,000 uh, downloads, Ben Jarofsky. Yeah, I want to thank 
Damn. The three people in this room have really helped on that. Very good friends of the Ben Jarofsky Show, these oh, three people. And one more room. thing. Right now on ChicagoReader.com, it's the latest Chicago Reader column from our very own Ben Jarofsky titled Defending the Indefensible. Go check it out after you hear today's show. Yeah, I don't even remember what I wrote about. Oh, but I just I do a lot of writing. All right. Uh, so I'm turning to you, Candace. You said something a little while ago. Uh, you have your issues uh, with Kamala Harris, the senator, the uh, Rookie senator from California, former prosecutor, former attorney general. I uh, have been consuming large quantities of the Kamala Harris Kool-Aid. Uh, and when I drink the Kool-Aid, I tend to get a little tipsy. So uh, oh, bring, God, me, yeah. bring me back to reality here. I'd love to hear all of you on this issue, but I'd love to start with you since you raised it. Uh, the pros and cons of Kamala Harris, who in my humble opinion has emerged as Definitely one of the top four uh, candidates who could possibly win the nomination. So go ahead. I want to hear your four. But my my issues are she's still, even though as a prosecutor, she was not as harsh as she could have been on many issues from cash bail bonds to even the illegal marijuana that was still being sold in California at the time to um, when parents in prison for different issues. She wasn't as harsh as she could have been. However... Mm-hmm. <laughs> She still stood on the side of police officers when they were accused of wrongdoing about 85% of the time, right? That's hard for me to swallow. Now, let me frame this. As a black woman or a woman of color in general, there are certain things that you feel like you have to do to make a path for yourself. And being a prosecutor in some ways is one of them. However. Okay, we're getting a lot of howevers. <laughs> right now, yeah. right now, I still like the former teacher who got a shot to go to Harvard. Did she go to Harvard? Yeah, yes, she did more. go to go Harvard, yeah. Right now, mm-hmm. I like her plans a little bit better. I want, I really want to like Kamala. And a lot of the things she's saying, I like. I like her as a senator. But I also felt the same way about a black guy who lived in Chicago from Hawaii. Um, Yeah, Mr. Obama. I kind of felt the same way about him. I wasn't impressed in the least bit. If I tell you who my candidate was, then a lot of people would like to shoot me. But at the time, he was more left than Obama or Hillary. You were for Dennis Kucinich. In the- John Edwards. You, oh my God. <laughs> well, talk I about. I was young. I was young. <laughs> John <laughs> Edwards. Good God. He was disgraced. He was out of that race. Uh, I remember he was in Iowa. Uh, he was 2008, John Edwards. I thought you were going to say Kucinich because that's uh, young, most so young back lefties then, before. I was working for AFT in New Orleans, and John Edwards was literally coming out and standing with workers, mm. speaking with workers. Yeah. And that education and workers rights will always be two of my top issues because for me they are black issues they are women issues period so he was willing 
to talk to and speak up for workers when I did not feel Barack Obama nor Hillary Clinton was in the same lane doing the same thing. Now, does he have problems everywhere else in life? Absolutely. You're talking about John Edwards now. Yeah, and okay. I was young. All right, okay, I'll concede all that. I thought you were going to be for Dennis Kucinich. Uh, all right, uh, so your thoughts on Kamala Harris. So I saw something. Uh, so they asked this question both nights. They said, would you do away with private insurance? And before I even get to the res- like who you know responded on that, there was a sort of general feeling, and I saw this on some other uh, anal- you know, analyst show, which was it seemed like, especially in the first night, that it was sort of like, um, how are you going to change the system or change the status quo? And it was almost like in a very like, oh, uh, you know, what are you going to do to confiscate guns? What are you going to do to take away our insurance? It was a very uh, combative way of asking it. But the thing that I noticed was that, you know, the, the people who I was, I was trying to see who would actually come out and say that they were really going for Medicare for all as it's framed, uh, which I, I saw Kamala Harris's hand go up. Yes. Mm-hmm. But then shortly yeah. after that, she was asked and she walked it back. Yeah. So that to me is a problem. So, you know, when I think of an economic justice issue, healthcare is, you know, at the top of that list. And so... And the current system, which I said, I think actually Elizabeth Warren had a really strong answer on this, which is like, I spent my career studying people who go broke. And people who go broke, there are people who don't have insurance and there are people who do have insurance who go broke. Mm -hmm. And that is the reality we're living with right now. So to me, that was a really big issue. And the fact that she kind of came out looking like she was on the right side and then she walked it back makes me really kind of question, where does she really stand? Mm -hmm. You're worried about the wishy-washiness. You're... Kamala thoughts, young Daniel? Oh, Jesus, you really have drunk that Kool-Aid, huh? Yeah, no, I, uh, I, 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 this I was- the Kamala, Is this the Kamala show now? All right, time out. <laughs> Let, let's, uh, let's give a reason why. You got the, the Kamala-Joe Biden confrontation ready yeah, to go? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Candace, take this so you can hear it. Uh, this is part of the reason why <laughs> I had so much of the Kamala Kool-Aid. We have also heard, and I'm going to now direct this at Vice President Biden. I do not believe you are a racist, but I also believe, and it is personal, and I was actually very, it was hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. You also worked with them to oppose busing. You know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. So I will tell you that on this subject, it cannot be an intellectual debate among Democrats. We have to take it seriously. We have to act swiftly. As Attorney General of California, I was very proud to put in place a a requirement that all my special agents would wear body cameras and keep those cameras on. Senator Harris, thank you. All right. I'm that was a two-part dunk because that was first part was about Biden. This, that last bit was about Buttigieg. Absolutely. <laughs> a two-part dunk. Come on, Candace. What? Show some love for Kamala. But Pete, uh, you go first, Danny. Uh, um, well, the moment that that really reminded me when I was watching it was actually in the, if you guys remember in the Republican debates when, uh, oh, Lord, um, 
I'm thinking Governor Sandwiches and uh, talking about uh, New Jersey Governor. Or Chris, Chris Christie. Christie. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Governor Ooh. Sandwiches, right? Yeah. Um, That's wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's low. <laughs> no, but um, but it, it, in all seriousness, the, when he just took out Marco Rubio, you guys remember that moment where I was just like, oh, man, it's just at that moment, Rubio really ceased to be a candidate. Yeah. Right. I don't, when, I don't remember when that Chris moment. Christie yeah. Took him out, um, just because of that, like sharp gift of the gap. Also, former prosecutor. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Kamala Harris, I think that people will look back. This is the moment when the luster came off Joe Biden. I mean, prior to this, people were talking about him with an air inevitability. Mm-hmm. I think that I mean, we'll see what happens. But right now, there's a very, very different narrative when you're talking about Joe Biden. And that's because of Kamala Harris, who, by the way, you know, with a very smart instinct, had observed Joe Biden, the difficulties he's had with owning up to his prior mistakes. You know, a lot of people in elected office, they're, they're very, very difficult to take that mea culpa. They take that ad, adoration, that mm-hmm. adulation, just like, oh, yeah, everyone loves me. They won't care. Right. Wrong. Wrong. And you got to own we, up to we, it. We saw that. There, there were uh, some stuff. Oh, go ahead. No, Candace is dying to speak to this one. Go ahead. You're right. I think I think everybody had been going with the always oh, going to be Bernie or Biden. That's it. That's all it can be. Oh, Warren's going up in the polls, and that's it. Might be her, but Bernie or Biden. But the last two nights showed for me the strongest that the inevitability of Bernie and Biden is losing steam and it's losing steam fast. And that's, and that's the most striking for me. I don't remember who it was on one of these shows. They said that Joy Ann Reed said black people are very pragmatic voters and we have to see that there's hope in our candidate actually making it. And Barack Obama did that in Iowa. Yep. And there were so many black voters that then switched over to Barack Obama yes. instead of Hillary Clinton. <laughs> and she said that she felt last night Kamala did that to Biden where she where you actually saw Kamala on a stage with Donald Trump in a real way but I'm going to be quiet but I think the two biggest parts of the debate happened before the debate and after the debate oh write that down what she thinks about that (laughs) (laughs) no I think some of the the problems that Joe Biden had were self-inflicted I mean, I remember towards, there were at least two instances where he was talking, and this not a single candidate did this. He said, oh, is my time up? Yeah. He realized he had made a, a critical mistake. And I remember one of the last things I wrote down, the AUMF, the, the authorize, authorization to use military force, which, um, you know, is essentially a blank check for war. And he had just been responding to his votes on Iraq, and, and he, was, he was really, like, on his heels. And so, but... Again, he was really, he was clearly um, struggling. There was one point at which he actually said something about sending drug company executives to jail. And I think he sort of realized in that moment that he's like, oh, wait, I got to go ask these guys for money. (laughs) Like, I think there was literally a flash in his mind. And it was, it it was, there was so much um, chaos in his responses. And I thought, you know, and then I read all this, like, you know, his team was trying to get him to do debate prep and he wasn't listening. And it's funny because I remember watching the 2016 debates with Donald Trump and how chaotic I think the first one was. And then they, they, they kind of got him under control. And so I'll be interested to see, you know, 
the next performance, but this was out of control. This was not, um, this was a weak performance by any stretch. Yeah. All right. Uh, there, the, the big issue uh, discussed at both debates and just, just a, a, a real legitimate policy issue uh, was health care. And uh, the Democrats, I think when they did that show of hands, um, there were only two, help me out here, Candace, my memory from last night, who said they would uh, take away private uh, health insurance. Am I right about that? Where there were two candidates that said I that? I want to say the first night it was only two. The first, first night, night it was only two. Who, yeah, and who was the last night that... Was it, did Kamala Harris raise her hand? I just cannot yes. remember that. She, she did, did raise her, her hand. hand. She did raise her hand. Okay. Is that a losing issue for the Democrats to tie yourself to a policy of taking away private health insurance plans or minimizing them drastically, allowing them only to exist, say, for cosmetic surgery? Your humble opinion, we'll start with you. Unfortunately, I agreed with the most annoying person in the room last night, which was Kirsten Gillibrand. <laughs> um, I th- was annoying. <laughs> I yeah. think I do. I do agree that you need steps to get there, which is basically what she said. You can't just run in and take it away. You need steps to get there. Fine. I I personally agree with that. I do I think I think healthcare is a losing issue for anybody who's in the midst of doing healthcare because healthcare is hard. So Republicans working on healthcare, yes, it's a losing issue for them. Democrats working on healthcare, yes, it's a losing issue for us because healthcare is ginormously difficult. Yeah. So and and I don't know how any president can deliver on it. Well, here's, um, I mean, there's a huge lobby, lobbying effort to maintain the system as it is, right? Mm-hmm. The pharma uh, companies, the insurance companies, there's actually a, a lobbying group called the Partnership for America's Healthcare Future, which is specifically targeting uh, Medicare for All. Uh, on the issue of, of, of this, I think it's, again, it goes back to a messaging issue, and we, we talk, we've talked about this before. When you talk about this issue, you have to say, your, there is, uh, to Candace's point and also Kirsten Gillibrand's point, there is going to be a transition period. It's not going to go, it's not going to just be turning off a switch. Yeah. And, you know, Pramila Jayapal's bill in the House actually has a two year um, transition period, and so which is obviously a lot faster. But that being said, things aren't going to go away right away. But what we, when you really press people, what do they like about their health care or what isn't working? It's people don't love their health insurance company. They don't. They don't. Yeah. They don't love their drug companies. And I and I've shared this before. You know, my mother pays. Um, you know, she got kicked off thanks to Rahm Emanuel. She got kicked off the retiree health system for mm-hmm. the city of Chicago, and now she spends for drug and health coverage. She spends about three thousand dollars a year. Nobody wants to pay. You know, nobody wants to pay those those premiums or have those massive deductibles so when you really press people what is what are you how are you experiencing your health care um you know i think kamala harris actually cited a, a news story i don't think it was an anecdote that she heard from from a voter it was actually somebody said like actually kamala uh, uh, quoted a news story i wrote when people have five thousand dollar deductibles you know i've i've shared this on the last time i was on the show because we yeah. talked about uh, the medicare for all issue um that the ama doesn't support it this is this is something where 
the what the Democrats have to do is remember the Republicans are the party that wanted to take away your yes. health care. We want to make your health care better yeah. and make sure more people get it. It's not actually that hard a messaging point. It's just they're not willing to make that case. Well, the it, what it reminds me in some ways is uh, when J.B. Pritzker was uh, on the campaign trail talking about a fair tax and reporters would always <laughs> we, we joke so much about this pressing him for the details of the fair tax and Pritzker was too nimble to come out because he knew if we put it right as soon as he came out with a specific there'd be a target on his back etc so he was ducking and dodging on that one yeah and I think the Democrats will probably be ducking and dodging on the specifics of this issue throughout this campaign yeah but the problem here's the problem though I, I think it was Hickenlooper <laughs> remember that guy oh yeah one of the many who shouldn't be on the stage but go ahead but he's said this before and I think he's not the only one who said it but basically this whole and Delaney said a sort of a version of this on on Wednesday night. But, but yeah, I know, I know. But these guys, I, I, know, about I know, I know. But these are guys who are very much making the case of like they're like the the DLC. They're like the yeah. Democratic Leadership Council guys. They're trying to say like, oh, if you say these things, Republicans are going to call us socialists. I'm like, if they if you aren't like don't have mass graves along the border, they're going to say you want open borders. Yes. If you actually want to give anybody health care, they're going to say you are uh, you know you want uh, social socialized medicine. It doesn't matter. Yes. They were targeting Lauren Underwood and Sean Kasson yeah. as being socialist. It doesn't matter how moderate you are. They're going to call you a socialist. It does. They have no problem lying. Why don't you just actually come out and explain where you stand and stay there instead of caving to the right? Samina speaking truth. We'll be right back after this. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Cirque du Soleil's Big Top comes back to Chicago with its latest show, Volta. Venture into a captivating voyage of discovery inspired by the adventurous spirit of freedom where a surge of action sparks a high-voltage journey. Volta. Playing May 18th through July 6th under the Big Top at Soldier Field. Tickets at CirqueDuSoleil.com. Volta thanks their partners Hennessy Black and Champagne Nicolas Fayette. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for the Ben Jarofsky Show. J-O-R-A. V is in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., 
live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by four at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Our friends at the Chicago Sun-Times are offering you, yes, you, the listener, an exclusive deal on unlimited digital access to all of the stories you love. Unlock every feature, video, and podcast just like the Ben Jarofsky Show by signing up for a digital subscription. For a limited time only, you, yeah, you, the listener, still talking to you, you can test out digital access for $1. Seriously, $1. There's no reason to not give it a shot. Stay up to date on breaking stories. Get the deep dives and investigations from Sun-Times reporters. Cheer for the big games with the best sports teams in the city and go deep inside City Hall with best in-class political reporting. $1 for your first month. Samina, I'm not sure if a, a mug is included. <laughs> we can find out. She really likes the mugs, but you can't do better than that. So it's the Chicago Sun-Times sign up and uh, all that good stuff. Subscribe. It'll be fantastic. All right, let's do this. Let's end the show. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, take us to the weekend. Yes, indeed. That super cool music means the end of another super cool show, but it's not over yet. We still have our three uh, outstanding political commentators, visionaries, activists, strategists in the studio kicking apart the debate. If only they listened to Danny Pokoshelsky, Samina Mustafa, and Candace Castillo, the Democrats would not only win the White House, they'd hold on to the Congress and take the Senate. How about that? Candace Castillo's own. Yeah, I know how to get rid of Mitch McConnell. Uh, but uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, before we, we, we get back to our panelists, uh, Leah has an announcement. Uh, she is the resident Z generation. Every show has to have one. Okay, we got millennials, <laughs> boomers, and Zs. Where are you heading off to? Oh, I'm about to go to Senator Elizabeth Warren's town hall at the Auditorium Theater downtown right now. Uh, so I'm very excited to see what she has to say, and I'll come and report back on Tuesday. All right. Yeah! Candace Castillo, a huge uh, Elizabeth Warren fan. And we'll a huge that. Leah fan. Yeah. yeah go Leah. Fan. Well, we're all Leah fans here in the Ben Jarofsky Hi, show. Uh, it's hard not to be. Uh, all right. Uh, Dan, you have an update for us, young man? I do. I'd like to thank my friend, my mentor, as well as my former employer, State Representative Rob Martwick, uh, now being State Senator Rob Martwick, taking over after the vacancy of Senator John Marone, Illinois' 10th District. Congratulations, Rob. All right, Mar Rob Markwick, who was on the show, I think it was a week ago. Uh, Rob Markwick, still apologizing to Lori Lightfoot for that outburst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Lori, let it go! Okay, I'm going to let it go. <laughs> Got to let it go, Lori. Uh, anyway, congratulations, Senator Rob Markwick. Oh, he's going to be such a big show. We're going to have to give him a coffee mug. I am a senator now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am beyond representative. That's, a, that's some good. You, I, you, I think you've got a career in, like, you know, in Disney. I think Disney or oh whatever God, should yeah. call you. Uh, did you hear it was uh, Mick Jagger? No, oh. no. Hello, Samina. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, Thank no. you. No, so bad. So 
Oh, oh my Lori God. Lightfoot and oh, no. Ed Burke. Yeah, anyway. And there oh, went no. the British <laughs> listeners. They're offended. Oh, I've, I've offended so many listeners today. I think Ramada really oh, did the cake, though. Uh, new Age listeners have I abandoned know. the show. That's just Ramada insane talking, folks. I love New Age And listeners. the Marianne Williamson fans. Yeah, I yeah. like Marianne Williamson. Yeah. I know I'm the only guy in America. Who he likes. is the only guy in America. Whoa, dude. She sounds like a lot of people I know. Love. All we need to bring to the table is love. And let me be the guy to just bring him up. The chill Asian dude, Andrew Yang, man. Uh, he didn't see, he, he needed to interrupt more like the Blasio well, people. First Dude, yeah. Well, I just want to know if I get my $1,000 a month before or after I get my reparations. <laughs> no, snap. There you go. <laughs> I mean, so like that's, I mean, that's the thing is he only, yeah, he he's kind of a one note candidate. He's yes. got one, but. I would take the kind of out of that sentence. The, the problem with him is, and just very quickly, he actually was on the Rubin Report recently. Basically, admitted what I was afraid of, which is that the UBI uh, plan is essentially a backdoor to defund the social safety net. That's a whole show oh, in itself, yeah. so mm-hmm. I'm not, right. that's why I'm yep. not a fan of his. Yeah. But anyway, I know Candace, you were going to Yeah, no, Candace, chime. yeah, and, and by the way, it's, I, he, the guy will not be on the stage uh, when they make the next cut. We all know that. Uh, all right, Candace, you uh, you said something before, and I'm coming back to you now. To so I said the most interesting things happen before and after the ba- debate. So before the debate, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders said that he would not commit to supporting whoever the Democratic nominee was. That's huge. That's huge because that means we could be looking at a third-party candidate whether it's Bernie or whether it's someone else. And third-party candidates don't really have a great history for the Democratic side, number one. Number two, after the debate, in the spin room, Cory Booker said that if a male candidate offered him a vice president slot, he would turn it down because he was a firm believer that it should be a man-woman ticket or a woman-man ticket, that it just should not be two white men. It should not be a ticket of two white men. That's really interesting, right? Because if it's Joe Biden, that means he would turn down a vice presidential um, slot from Joe Biden or if it was Bernie same thing or let's say it was Andrew Yang it's same thing so yeah. that says a lot mm-hmm. about where some people's heads are and I think we're going to be able to look back on that a year from now and it might bring up some revolutionary things Bernie running as a third party would not surprise me at all wow Wow. What do you think of that? Uh, Bernie is a third party. Yeah, I I don't know. There's so many challenges to getting on the ballot as Mm -hmm. a third party candidate that and and he since he already ran as a Democrat and he's running as a Democrat now, I I have a hard time seeing that. But I think I think more than anything, it's it brings up uh, that this is going to be obviously an incredibly contentious primary. Um, Yeah, we're going to lose a lot of people from this this debate to the next one. But I think this is this is going to be bruising. It's Mm -hmm. going to be. And I but I I I hope that it's more like the, the first night where people are really duking it out on policy and not just on personalities. Yeah. I, um, uh, the, actually, the next debate, I think there's still the same format. The one they're having in Detroit is still supposed to be 10 and 10. I believe the cutoff start in September. Oh, okay. That's so when they, 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 yeah, okay. the, they, we get to the American Idol thing where they start cutting people. Uh, Dan, your thoughts on a Bernie Sanders um, third-party candidacy? 
I, I'm skeptical about that. I don't think that, that Bernie would like to go down in history as the man that reelected Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had the same thoughts. I don't think he's doing it. I think he's uh, posturing. And I'll tell you what, if he were to run, and here's I'm going to get all my lefty listeners really mad at me. My good friend, Michael Joseph Madigan, would <laughs> would be, get Michael Casper on there, and you know, right. it's going to be very difficult to make that ballot in Illinois with, uh, with Madigan and Casper tag-teaming on behalf of the Democratic Party. Can we write this date down and revisit this conversation <laughs> yeah, a year absolutely. from now? <laughs> absolutely. I, I will say we need to okay. revisit this conversation a year from now because... Mark my words, I would not be surprised. Yeah. Well, it would be like sort of Ralph Nader in 2000, where Ralph Nader just got in his head that there was no difference between Al Gore and George uh, Baby Bush, and uh, he was going to run regardless. Uh, and he spent the whole campaign saying there's no difference between the Democrats and Republicans. I know many Green Party people who feel that. Uh, they've been on this show. They've argued their case. They, uh, they they don't think it was that traumatic to this country, Candace, that uh, Donald Trump was victorious. They actually think in some ways it's good for the country that it's almost like we're letting the bleeding, you know, letting the blood go. Um, I don't subscribe to that. I think it's worse for this country that Donald Trump's been, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly about the Supreme Court at the top of the list. That brings me to this, getting back to the Senate. What, good God, could you imagine, if Bernie runs as a third-party candidate, that would kill any chance of getting back to the Senate as well. So there, that's a, a horrible thought. And I do think you're right, Dan, that would destroy his reputation and his legacy. So how do you get back to the Senate, Candace? Organize, organize, <laughs> organize. We have to. We we do not have a choice but to stay ready. What burns me up about this uh, presidential cycle is we have so many good candidates who need to be in the Senate. Right running for president we have some really 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 great senate candidates up there running for president and that's unfortunate Beto should run for senate again mm -hmm. yeah he's wasting his time he's wasting, yeah. his wasting his time, his time. Or, wasting his or, or support the people who have already started running for senate uh, that like MJ Hagar, I think it's a, or she actually ran yeah. for Congress and yeah. she's running again. There's a woman named Seema Hernandez. There's a couple of folks who have already filed and have started campaigning. So it's either, you know, either support them and help them fundraise or do whatever, or, you know, just, he, I think he's, he's not in, the, this is not the right race for him. And I think a lot of people saw him stumble and not really, it, he he's needs through. to know it. He's through in this race. Yeah, yeah. Buddha Judge will make a great senator too, even though I must say, I, there's a part of me that really wants to see him and Mike Pence go head to head on stage. Uh, yeah. Yeah, as a vice presidential? As a vice presidential. Yeah. It's not going to happen, yeah. Yeah. but that doesn't mean I just want to see those two interact on a debate stage. That would just like be the TMI crumpet. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so uh, take back the Senate. Yeah, I mean, that's, I agree. 
a lot of people who are running for president and need to 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 think about that. But also, it's funny because I I in the last week I've gotten a couple of emails and phone calls, uh, specifically about this from the Democratic senatorial campaign campaign committee. So somebody's thinking about this. But the issue is like what what is the plan? You know, where are we sort of are we playing everywhere? Um, and and when we kind of look at sort of the past ten years of the Democratic Party. Um, you know, how are we positioned as a party? Are we playing um, offense or defense? Mm-hmm. So the organize, organize, organize is playing offense, is constantly being out there working on your base instead of sort of being afraid. And I know you you really want to say, me to say Nancy Pelosi's name, so I'm going to say it. But that's the thing. It's like when Democrats get into power, yeah. what do they do with mm-hmm. it? How are they going to inspire folks? And part of organizing is inspiring folks, mm-hmm. right? And if you get into power and you say, I can, there's nothing I can do, and you literally throw your hands up, you're not going to inspire anybody. Yeah, that's talk about Nancy Pelosi. We'll have to address her before the show is over. Dan, how do they take back the Senate? We take back the Senate when we work. So all you folks that are out there, doesn't matter if you live out in Kane County, McHenry County, wherever you live, get involved. Help elect Democrats work, knock on doors. If 2016 was evidence of anything, it was evidence that just voting, just listening, just going to a march, it's not enough. Make calls, knock on doors, go to fundraisers, all those things. It's not rocket science, but if you want the result to be different in 2020 than in 2016, you, listener, have to get active. Yeah. And that's why I, I, I mean, I wrote this down. Uh, remember this date, Bernie running as a third party candidate. But right now, this is my pet thing. The, it's clear to me from these two debates, the number one issue that Democrats have going for them is Donald Trump. People hate Donald Trump. And ever anybody on that stage uh, made a reference to Donald Trump, the crowd went crazy. And everybody that comes into the studio is always telling us, tells me a variation of the same thing. Ben, the Democrats need more than Donald Trump to run against. They have to stand for something. I hear what they're saying. You got to stand for something. That does not take away from the fact that the motivating force that's going to get people out to vote and energize uh, people for the Democratic Party is their hatred for Donald Trump. And the second hatred may be Mitch McConnell. Yeah, that, that, that we need that's to not a maybe. Yeah. yeah, no, no. That's not a maybe. Yeah. They said Mitch McConnell's name more in the first debate than they said yeah. Donald Trump. Okay, so they're a tag that team. That says a lot. Yeah, so we can't ignore right. that. And that's why Bernie runs the third party. He's just destroyed his legacy. And that's, I mean, let's just remember, Mitch McConnell is why Merrick Garland <laughs> didn't get on the Supreme yes. Court. So that was before Donald Trump even got in office. Mm-hmm. So you can get, to your point, and I think Candace said this as well, you know, we can get a Democratic president, but we still have Mitch McConnell. And I think there's some folks who are talking about Amy McGrath, who ran for Congress, potentially running for Senate in Kentucky. There might be some other names, I don't know, but there is, there's, I already know that there's a woman in Maine, um, Sarah, I believe mm-hmm. Sarah Gideon is running yeah. against um, a Susan Collins. Well, it's, it's, first she has to get through the primary there's, right it's a democratic but, primary but i don't know like what i'm saying is there are folks who have to like we need to start supporting those and figuring out who those folks are uh you've got like i said a couple of folks running against cornyn in texas so there's, there's that's where it's like okay what's where's the strategy where do we need to knock people out somebody needs to knock. we need to knock mitch mcconnell out he is a critical that's that's where i think when you look back and you look at the the 2016 and 2018 cycles and you think like 
where were the wins? Where were they strategic? Where where did it make a huge difference? Like AOC taking out Joe Crowley yeah. was significant because he was going to be in a leadership position. And, and really, I mean, like that changed the whole tenor of Congress. She's changed the debate on so many issues. But Mitch McConnell has incredible power in the Senate. If you knock him out, that changes the whole, that changes the entire chamber. Yeah. So that's that's where the really the Democrats have to target. They have to be strategic about where they're going to run folks. Uh, Doug Jones is going to be up. That's going to be a whole oh, other ballgame. Oh, yeah. And so remember that. <laughs> yeah, God, yeah. And, more and, and more coming at the, back. At the same time as, as Donald Trump is in a state that went hugely for yeah that but, but how did but how did Doug Jones win because of people like Latasha Brown of Black Voters Matter she got the vote out yeah and again it, it's like the, the stuff that is on the ground I it's actually I know about about Black Voters Matter there's a group called Spread the Vote also run by black women named Kat Calvin these are uh, organizations that are working on turning out voters uh, of color Spread the Vote specifically works on uh, voter suppression and helping folks get IDs in states where there are voter ID laws. All of these folks, they're struggling to get funding right now because there's 24 candidates running, 25 candidates yeah. running for president. So everyone's like, oh, talk to me next year, talk to me next year. No, we need to start organizing and building that infrastructure now so when you know we have, we're ready for GOTV, for, for regardless of who the nominee is, we need to get make sure those folks have are registered, they're on the rolls, because... That voter suppression, it's going to be an overdrive in 2020. So the biggest failure Barack Obama had, to me, this is my personal opinion, was not making sure that Democrats won in local elections. Yep. Yep. And not keeping our infrastructure. So let's forget Merrick Garland for a second. Mitch McConnell was the architect at the table of trying to make Barack Obama one-term president. He failed at that, but what he succeeded at was making sure we have a legacy of Republican state houses, and we just turned it over in one cycle in Illinois ourselves. Now, we do not have the luxury of not playing offense and defense. We have to do both. We don't have the luxury of just organizing. We have to activate at the same time and it's not just about the senate it's not just about the house it's not just about the white house it's about each and every state house the heartbeat bill alabama the abortion bill that also came up in a very black state every all except for one of the black state reps voted against it, uh, voted against that abortion bill. So in Alabama, it's not just about Doug Jones or President Trump. And Doug Jones is very problematic in yeah. his own right. But it's also about how do they take those how the House back? Mm-hmm. How do they take the Senate back? Let's have a black governor of Alabama, and maybe they would stop destroying HBCUs in Alabama, which I'm a proud graduate of Alabama a and but <laughs> you you like the shameless plugs. How do like how do we get there, how yeah. do we get how do we make sure a yeah. Tammy Sawyer is elected the mayor of Memphis, Tennessee, versus people who wanted to keep up Confederate statues right. in Memphis, Tennessee? It's not just about those two chambers because unfortunately. 
Fortunately, however you want to put it, back to the 80 states' rights argument, our lives are mostly ruled at the state level. Absolutely. If we do not have a commander, a chief, or a top of a ticket that is going to influence the bottom of the ticket, right. we will lose, lose, lose. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I think we learned that lesson here in Illinois uh, this last cycle where we have this commanding presence now, the de- we, the Democrats, uh, in, in both chambers. All right. Uh, now, you asked me who. I thought were the front runners emerging from these two debates. In my humble opinion, we should go uh, I, I, as entertaining as uh, these massive debates are. There's like 10 candidates I think should just leave right now. Uh, but I'll, I've already named them earlier in the show. So I'll just go to the six. I think who can win. And these are the six candidates I think can win. Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, uh, Julian Castro, uh, and uh, Joe Biden. Is that six? Did I name That's, six? I thought that was five. Five? Oh, my bad. I think I may have counted. I like Kamala Harris so much, I've counted her <laughs> twice. Take another sip of that Kool-Aid, pal. There's Hold Kamala on. and then there's Harris. Yeah. <laughs> I like her both, okay? All right. So take that, Candace. Yeah. Uh, so those are the ones. I think that's five then. Yeah, five that I have that have, that have emerged from this uh, these two nights of debates as people I think when I don't think the others can win. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think Biden uh, was pretty badly wounded. Um, and I think he showed, I think he's, I mean, he had a few gaffes, but it was also like he just, he he is showing himself <laughs> for who he is and his past is, is it's going to be hard to overcome. So I, of those four, I think that he is in the, the weakest position. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Oh, those five, brother. Five, yeah. You know, speaking of Biden, uh, the thing that comes to my mind is how in that performance, he was the complete opposite of Harold Washington. Harold Washington was like a cat. Whatever way you threw him, always land on his feet, quick, sharp tongue, knew how to say it. Biden was just flat-footed. Yeah. You know, and and that to me is um, is why he is where he is right now. Well, you know, I did, you know, mentioned Harold Washington, I have to say, uh, Harold Washington, the, the similarity between Harold Washington and Joe Biden, I don't think anybody else in the world could say this, the similarity is that uh, they had political, they evolved politically, all right? Mm-hmm. So Biden is trying to, has to make the argument that he has politically evolved, and he's, he, it's a very difficult argument to make yeah. because he can't own up to the fact that he was ever wrong. But Harold Washington started off as a machine Democrat, and he had that moment of, of revelation that happened before any of you in this room were born, where he said, I can never be a, a machine Democrat and get something for black people in the city of Chicago. I am cutting myself off from the Democratic machine. And Joe Biden has to have a moment like that where he says, I have to cut myself off from who I was and who I am, if he wants to win the Democratic nomination. But I, you have to remember, Ben, and there's a, actually a really good, Roger Biles wrote a, a biography um, that I think came out of last year about Harold Washington, and it really talks about his sort of political journey. You can't discount, and, and sort of like what Candace was saying about Kamala Harris, what are the opportunities when you are um, you know, an up-and-coming um, 
politician of color or a candidate of color, when you are trying, you're sort of getting pigeonholed. I remember there's a line in the book where I think he's talking to Ralph Metcalf and he's he's talking about, I think, uh, Richard J. Daly. And he's like, you know, you've got your white man. I've got mine. Yeah. So there's like there there are alliances <laughs> that they each of them yeah. made and and uh, sort of compromises they made. But if you look at a Stacey Abrams, Ayanna Presley, Kamala Harris, each one of them had to navigate that differently because of being, you know, in, in a minority. So I think it's it's not quite the same. Joe Biden was always in a position where he could have asserted himself and been on the right side of history, but he chose not yeah, to be. That's true. That I uh, can't argue with that point. Uh, and he probably every step of the way said there was a pragmatic reason that he was doing X, Y, Z, and that ultimately uh, the, the greater good would prevail. And you look at it 30 years later and we're struggling here. Uh, so what are your thoughts about uh, the the... The five, my five, my list of five. I counted Kamala twice, so here is only five. So let's compare it to my list. Okay. Elizabeth Warren. She's on there. Kamala. On there. Castro. On there. Bernie. On there. Biden. That's all. Wait, we're saying we're saying it's five for five. These are the people that have that that have a, a potential to be the next nominee. That's not saying who you support, who you like. These people have emerged from the first debates with the potential to still be there. I said this debate was who was gonna get that number five slot, and I was right. This debate was not about who who was going to come out a little wounded and who was going to get that number five slot. I cannot wait till those first polls come out because I'm going to say it's going to be Booker or Julian Castro that will get that number five spot for people. See, I Booker didn't do it anything for me booker didn't do anything for me either we knew we grew up in the hood because he said it 20 times <laughs> <laughs> but he or he lives there now yeah. he didn't grow he up didn't there grow up there. but yeah, yeah. he he didn't do much for me either but i know some people are gonna say well i like him so i i I think Castro got that number five spot. So I can't wait till the first polls come out. But let's go back to this evolution question. Because what did you evolve from? When when he passed the crime bill, yeah. he was what, almost 60? Where 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 have you involved, evolved from? The nation has evolved from the crime bill. Because almost every black politician you talked to at the time and white and left, yes, I'm talking to you, Bernie Sanders, voted for the crime bill. Bobby Rush voted for the crime bill. Bobby, well, <laughs> Maxine Waters didn't. Maxine okay, Waters Bobby. didn't. No. I see Maxine knew what was up. But, <laughs> but almost everybody yeah. else did. So as a nation, we've evolved yeah. from that. However, not being able to take ownership and truly apologize to Anita Hill. The right. busing issue, yeah. even though we have moved away from busing yeah. as a nation, but even not being able to say it was right and not even seeing your mistake when Cory Booker was like, well, he still would have called me, boy. Yeah. Like, it's it's that it's your granddad who says back in my day, yeah. we didn't do it like that. That's what he is, well, and that's what he shows. Yeah, uh, apparently. So people are incapable of evolving. Listen, I, I, I'm very um, uh, 
I have a very sarcastic attitude toward politicians to talk about they've evolved. I still like making fun of Barack Obama, who evolved at least two ways on gay marriage, okay? So I'm just saying that I recognize it as a tactic that politicians use, uh, and they often use it very successfully. Donald Trump has, quote-unquote, evolved on the abortion issue. He was pro-choice in the 90s, and now look at him. He's the most extreme anti- he devolved. Yeah. I call that a devolution. All right. So Barack devolved on uh, gay marriage. First, he was uh, woke, as my millennial friends like to say. Then he devolved. Then he evolved. So uh, I, I see them going in many different ways. And Joe Biden clearly is incapable of evolving. Danny, what do you think? Who are, who are your five that you think could win the nomination? I think every single person that you guys mentioned is one of the people that I do believe could win it. I was actually trying to think if there was anyone that you guys were missing that. Well, I, Cory that I Booker could. would be a six. No, I do not. But at the same time, win. I'm not a fan of Cory Booker. Yeah. But outside uh, of this room, I yeah. think there's a lot of Pete fans, but I, I am not one of them. I, I will know. So I, I would say that, you know, Pete could be um, not necessarily on the president, uh, president but I, I could see him as a vice presidential candidate to balance out. i can't i i do not believe it and i'll tell you i have to see you cannot win i say this every time you cannot win the democratic nomination without black votes and oh, i don't yeah, know I no, 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 as no, a vice presidential why. candidate no. but no but that'll but that'll suppress <laughs> that you cannot yeah. you cannot you can't suppress black votes and win the nomination yeah. so I, I think if you want to really <laughs> talk about pete Buttigieg, you got to get stacy davis gates from uh, vice president of ctu in here who is from south mid indiana um, to really talk about the legacy of Pete Buttigieg. Well, I'll go one step further, and since you did that, it's a perfect transition. Uh, we had in this studio, sitting in that chair, where young Daniel is sitting right now, uh, Henry Davis, who is the baby brother to Stacey Davis-Gates. And in that chair, where uh, Samina is sitting, we had Stacey Davis-Gates, and we did an interview with them. And it's, uh, I'm very proud of this interview, and you can check it out. It's in our uh, catalog of interviews. We actually ran it a, tw a second time when I was on vacation. Uh, and uh, Henry Davis really lays out the case uh, against Pete Buttigieg. It opened my eyes. I didn't know anything I have to, I must confess about South Bend. I must confess to you, Candace. I didn't, didn't know anything about South Bend, Indiana until um, I was forced to read about it and when Pete Buttigieg, and uh, that is a city with some serious uh, issues. And Pete Buttigieg has been the mayor for eight years. And as I said, he just ignored those issues right. until he was running for president. And suddenly last night he made this appeal. To and there's himself. a BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed news story written up specifically about the policing issue that I just posted. And it, it was one of those things where he's like, I can't fire the police chief, but it's like, no, you appoint the entire public safety board. So that's like, it is within your control. And I, and I posted, it was like, remember that Rom <laughs> fired Gary McCarthy. If you're to the right of Rom, <laughs> you're in trouble, buddy. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the right of Rom. Yeah. All right, very good. Uh, we've run out of time. I want to thank our uh, guest, uh, Samina Mustafa, Danny Pokoshevsky, Candace Castillo. Our Ramana Hussein was in here earlier in the day. She did a great job as she always does. Uh, and Leah's off to see Elizabeth Warren, so she'll be reporting back uh, on Tuesday on that. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend behind the board, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. And as Candace Castillo can tell you, you know what they call him back in Alton, right? You don't remember? 
White Lightning. <laughs> <laughs> the fastest white guy in all know. <laughs> you're doing right. I told you your name no needs, to white, needs to be Whitening. It needs to be Whitening. Uh, I would like to argue that, that, the, that the fastest white guy from Alton, Illinois is actually Jesse White. Jesse White, right? He's a white guy. Oh my God! Oh, I, that, I was God. like, "Where are you going with that joke?" Uh, Jesse White's from Alton, Illinois. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. I just said, uh, no one unbelievable. Calls Danny, no Bullish one calls me that. By the way, <laughs> wait, nobody calls you White Lightning. No. Uh, I only call you that every day. White anyway, everybody, <laughs> have a great weekend. See you on Tuesday, everybody. And remember, you can download. Remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows at both Chicago Sun Times and Chicago Reader websites, chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, or wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Be sure to check out our Benny J bonus interviews available Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Saturday, it's Andy Grimm. Sunday, Toy Hutchinson with Johan Gordon Booth, and Monday investigative reporter Mick Dumkey and check us out on social media at Benny J show B E N N Y the letter J show. Bye.